Hey everyone, welcome to episode 17 of the Four Goats in a Mic podcast. <laughs> They're laughing at me right now. I don't know why, but I feel self-conscious about it. We have Miss Brittany Bronson. So excited to have her. Britt, do you want to um, introduce yourself? Tell us your business, what you do, who you do it for, where everyone can find you, all that good stuff. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I am Brittany. Many people know me as Bossy Britt on Twitter. I own Rebrand Career Consulting. We are a premium professional development firm specializing in supporting Black women in reaching career goals. We offer a variety of services from tangible services like resumes, cover letters, to consultation services, including mock interviews and supporting doctoral candidates. Um, so you can follow me on Twitter either at Bossy Brit or at Rebrand CC. So you help Black women and folks secure the bag. Secure the bag. Yes, absolutely. I help Black women live abundant lives. Yes. Luxurious lives. I love to hear it. Okay, so we've dropped luxury already so soon. Yes. <laughs> I, I had to. I'm sorry. I had to. I had Let's to. get it's into so it. Early. So <laughs> Let's get into it. Why do you think you get so much shit for talking, um, for encouraging Black women to live lives of luxury, to expect luxury? Um, and what else do they drag you for? Or anytime you mention your husband. I have a loving husband. Okay, so let's start with, I think that um, when we talk about social media and we talk about being able to appeal to any customer, any avatar, any sort of like image, it usually is based on people's ability to relate to you. So I think for all intents and purposes, I've always been like super honest that I went through a really shitty divorce after my divorce. Like my son and I struggled. My credit took a tank. I left law school. Everybody loves that. Like everybody is super comfortable with that because they can see themselves in that story. When niggas start talking about like, oh yeah, and then I got a master's and now I'm a doctoral candidate and now I got a biomed husband who be buying me a BMW. I don't want for nothing. I got a good nine to five and I'm fucking shit, Britt. That's what I like to hear. Niggas don't like that because they're like, whoa, I saw myself in you when you was like broke because like I could relate to that. But she's talking about shit. I don't know if I can relate to you no more. And for me, I share my story about being broke because I really do want black women to be like, if she could do it, like, I know I could do it. Like, if she could go from like, I even share my credit journey. Like, I got all this money and my credit score was 500 a couple of months ago. So like, I've been trying to tell people like, listen, if I can build my credit back up, like you can too. You know, I'm super honest about growing up in a project. I'm super honest about like coming up in a single parent household, but for whatever reason, people just latch onto their image and anything that's not that, they're like, oh, I can't fuck with her no more. Can you share some of like your story with the audience for those who don't know? Sure. You know? Um, so I am Brittany. I was born and raised in Charlotte, North Carolina. And then my mom and I moved to Philadelphia when I was like 11, um, like 11 or 12. And just through a host of like her relationships, um, she and I just ended up in like housing insecure situations like staying with different friends you know living in a project and my mom worked her way back up but you know studies show children who see domestic violence end up also in relationships that also have domestic violence so my first husband was extremely abusive um the money was fine he took care of the bills he took care of me took care of my first son but the reality is that he was just extremely emotionally abusive verbally abusive um financially abusive um and so when I finally did leave that relationship in 2015, 
I had to leave law school because you can't work and go to law school at the same time. But now I had this baby to take care of. My son was three, two and a half or three. And it just was so overwhelming um, to try to be a law student, to be a single parent, to be like my divorce was drug out due to some assets we had together. And it just was a mess. So I left law school and I started at a call center. Like I just was like, I don't even care where I work. Like I'm gonna go to first place that hires me. So I worked at a call center for like $12 an hour. They wasn't paying no good money, but I didn't have a job. So I just did what I had to do. Um, ended up losing my car due to a repossession because I wanted to keep my son in private school. And um, after six months at the job, all these other perks opened up. So like after six months of being there, they would pay for you to get a degree. But I already had a bachelor's degree. So I asked them to pay for a master's. I thought they were going to say no, but they were like, oh, sure, we would love to pay for it, blah, 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 blah. And so um, I started with my master's at St. Joe's. And after I got my master's, like towards the end of my master's, I was writing my thesis and I asked HR like, hey, I'm writing a thesis on understanding organizations, hiring practices. Um, could I do my research on the company? And they were like, yes, we'll actually change your title to be a project manager. We'll move you over to human resources. So that was my first promotion, but they really didn't, didn't even give me a raise because they were like, we already paying for your master's. Like what more you want? So um, <laughs> I was getting my master's, finished my master's, and then was still working as a project manager. And then I just woke up and was like, okay, thanks for paying for my master's, but I still want more dollars because I th think I was making like $15 an hour. Like it still wasn't no money to have no master's. So I asked my mentor, like, I was just like, hey, like, this is cool and everything, but what do you think about me leaving? And he was like, well, what was your thesis on? Oh, that's another thing. Sorry. My thesis was on understanding barriers to upward achievement in corporate spaces for Black women. Because the reality is that, like, they were paying for my master's, but they wouldn't formally promote me. So, like, that's an issue. Like, you find me worthy enough to pay for my master's, but not worthy enough to, like, promote me, give me more money, um, give me more vacation time. Like, it was just, they were doing the very least they could do because they were paying for my master's. Um, so I reached out to my mentor and was like, what do you think I should do? He was like, you know, do what you got to do, like rewrite your resume and leave. Um, so what I started to do was I started to peek through the applications that were coming in from HR. So I just started to like read over them. I started to read the job description. Sometimes I would see black women's and I would be like, I don't know why she thinks she's going to get this job. And I would just like change it a little bit before I sent it over to the hiring manager. So that's when I started to realize like, wow, this is actually working. Like I'm actually like fixing company culture. And I'm rewriting women's resumes and they're actually getting these jobs. Um, so that was when I first realized that like I could do it for myself. So I rewrote my own resume and became the um, manager of workforce development funding for the city of Philadelphia. That was a really big deal because it was a $5 million federally funded program. Um, Philadelphia is the largest poor city in the nation. So it really was doing a lot of evaluation of like, why poor people can't get jobs in the city of Philadelphia, why they aren't keeping jobs in the city of Philadelphia. So like looking at our transportation system, looking at our welfare system, looking at like our subsidy system, just looking at all these other resources that were available to make sure that people who look like me um, were getting jobs. And then after that, I did a few other resume shifts to get to some more money because again, there's nothing wrong with liking nice things. And I love the work that I was doing. And I also realized that some of that, that $5 million of contract money, I couldn't tap into it as long as I was overseeing it. 
So a lot of these companies are these organizations that were getting workforce development funding. They didn't know how to do like resumes or they didn't really know how to help people. They just were organizations that were nonprofits. Like your YMCA could basically apply for a workforce development grant. They don't know anything about workforce development, but it's the YMCA. So the city is going to give them the money. And then the wife's the YMCA's job to go find someone who could do the work. So once I peeped that, I left that job for a better job and then started to subcontract with the organizations who were given that grant money to be their resume writer. So what's a common resume pitfall that you notice? Like when people come to you like, hey, here's my resume. What you think? The greatest area I see is that people list their entire responsibilities. Like they'll go through and they'll be like, I answer phones all day. I mail letters all day. I help check people out of the hospital. And it's like, okay, those are your responsibilities. But like, tell me about your achievements. Like when we talk about a lot of people who work in a call center, they don't think it's amazing that they answer 150 calls a day. I'm like, it is amazing that you answer 150 calls a day and direct it to the appropriate source. And if we talk about your performance review, like when people fill out your quality assurance survey, you got a 99 percentile. Like that's an achievement. Um, so often I tell people that your resume should be full of skills and achievements, not responsibilities. What about, I remember, I can't remember the tweet exactly, but you got help for it. You said something about your clients do a certain amount of hours with like job prep. Can you talk like a little bit about that? Okay, so I tell people generally, if it takes me about five hours to prepare a resume, and for my executive level clients, it should be, take, it should be taking them about five hours of prep. In that five hours is a one hour mock interview with me. So that one hour is doing a mock interview, it's reviewing the answers, and then it's tightening your answers up. Um, the other four hours is really you pulling that full job description and pulling every experience that you've ever had in your professional career that meets the obligations of their job description. So often people look at like, oh, I haven't done this before in this exact term. No, you haven't done it in that exact term, but you've done something that's similar to it and you should be talking that up on your resume in a way that's going to translate. So um, yeah, it should take individuals who are applying for a certain caliber of position that they actually want to be at that's going to provide them a certain level of income five hours is about enough prep time. So what do you think about that? Do you think there's some fault in like, I don't even know what the term would be, but like, so for an executive level job and you're saying, if you want, if you want to be serious about it, you should probably put like five hours of prep time into it. Like, how do you feel about how grueling the process could be for like certain positions? Cause I know in tech, like some of these companies, you go through five, six rounds just to get a fucking job. And for some people they're like, well, that job ain't worth it to me because why, why am I doing all of this? Like, do you think companies that do that is because like the, the position is actually worth it and there's a lot of benefits that come along with it? Or do you just think sometimes jobs are just being like excessive with how they try to vet out candidates? So I think it's both. Um, for starters, any company that is doing like five and six rounds of interviews, like I, I really ask my clients, like, how bad do you really want this job? Like, is this your dream job that you're going to be at forever? Or is this just a position that you're hoping to pick some skills up from? Because if it's just a position you're hoping to pick some skills up from or your career journey, like you could freelance for all of that and do the ask of this job description and still get the experience and not put yourself through the anxiety and the frustration of going through five and six rounds of interviews. I think they're unethical. I think they are not a good use of time. Um, and I think that companies who are asking for that much time from candidates should be compensating them. 
So I've had interviews that were two to three rants. Well, no, two to three is not. I say like three to four. I've been flown out for those interviews. Like when you start, I, I would say like for those sorts of interviews where it's a relocation involved, I get it. You want to get a real sense of like, is this person worth the relocation cost? But five to six rounds, I don't, I don't think it's ethical. But I will also say to that caveat, if one of the rounds is a working interview, I don't really think that counts. So there are some jobs where like, I see what you put on your resume, but if you don't have a portfolio, I need to see your ability to do this work. I had a working interview for the job that I have now, and it was fine. Like it was look at a data set, evaluate the data set, tell me the problems with it and tell me how you will fix it. Like if you're good at your job, I did it the night before. I don't say you should do that. <laughs> but I did it the night before and sent it in and it was totally fine. And that was counted as one of the rounds of my interview. Um, for clients who are saying they don't want to interview multiple rounds, I understand it, but also I think it varies based on industry. Like you said, for tech, if it's literally going and sitting in a panel interview four different times, I think that's excessive. If one of those interviews is like, hey, come in because we want to see you on a computer, I think then that's a three-round interview with one working interview, which is really normal for certain positions. Like, I just sometimes struggle with, hey, pay me $120,000, but I want to do the bare minimum. Right, right. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I, I, oh, I got a, I a question. You, you can go oh, ahead, Bees. Um, I was just going to ask her, um, I hear a lot about uh, people updating their resumes, and I wanted to ask you, like, you know, how often should a person update their resume? Because I hear different answers on this everywhere. Either every three months or whenever you acquire a new skill and or achievement at work. And the reason why I say that is because we always forget. Like, I remember, and something as simple as like my kids, right? Like, my mom lives three hours away. Um, sometimes she'll see my kids, like after two months, she'll be like, oh my gosh, they're huge. I live with them every day. So I don't see this rapid growth that she's going to see after two months. Your professional experience is the same way. If you don't document it in the moment that you achieved this, that you worked on this project, if you don't in some capacity memorialize it, when it's two months from now and a job position closes in two days and you're trying to hurry up and get your resume to put it in, you're going to forget. That's going to be a missed opportunity to showcase yourself as awesome. So I say not only should you be updating your resume at least every three months, also keep a brag folder. Like I keep a brag folder for my nine to five. So anytime my supervisor is like, Brittany, you did an awesome job. This department said they had a really great time working with you. This other agency said that like they were able to implement this and it worked really well. Like I keep all of this stuff in a brag folder one, because I want to make sure it's on my resume, but two, when it's time to talk about some more money, I want to be able to pull out those receipts. Like you said, I was awesome, remember? So let's <laughs> talk about how awesome it translates to some coins. <laughs> yeah, that's that's smart. That's smart. But I, I kind of want to go back to people when you were saying like people want to get paid 120 and then they don't really want to like show the skill set or they don't have the skill set. Like I find that a lot, especially with like tech. So mm -hmm. um, the other day when I was talking about, you know, tech's the only industry where you can work two six figure jobs remotely. People are just like, oh, I can just do this and, and start making that type of money tomorrow. <laughs> no, no, you can't. You can't do that. And that's not what I said. I just said that it's possible and it takes experience and it takes a skill set to do it. Like it's just, it's not an overnight type thing. And I just think that people they nowadays they just don't want to put in the work like even the interview that's work like getting getting prepared getting your resume ready getting ready for the interview all the stuff you have to go through like that is work like that's real work you got to put in 
And the fact of the matter is that like the five hours that I was talking about was really the five hours that I don't think people realize goes into resume writing. So like when I'm rewriting a client's resume, I ask for two to three jobs that they want. And then after looking at those two to three jobs, then I have to take their resume and look at all of their previous experience and shift, sometimes embezzle experience to make sure that they can even get these new roles. So like, if you don't want to put the five hours in, fine, pay me for the four hours and then we'll do the one hour with your mock interview. But the reality is that like some people feel like they're just paying for a piece of paper. Like they don't realize that they're literally paying for someone's intellect and their time and their research. Like, you mentioned tech bees, like some of my tech clients are the most successful, but I don't have a single tech certification. I did, however, have to sit through a lot of like YouTube videos and read books and like learn that industry to write resumes well. And I don't think people recognize that like learning someone's industry takes time. Sometimes it really takes me I always talk about informational interviews. Sometimes it takes me reaching out to somebody on LinkedIn that I went to school with or that I know and saying like, hey, can you talk to me a little bit about what your workday is like because I'm in a bind and I need to understand something a little bit better. Look, you put more work in into other people's careers than they have even put in right. themselves. Like right. it's crazy. Right. Like people are like, oh yeah, I want to do this. I want to do that. They haven't put any work in and all you're doing, you're you're doing something major, making their resume, but it's not even <laughs> your job. Like if you're going and reaching out to people, asking people what's their day-to-day like and like trying to get more information and people who want these actual jobs don't do anything. Which is always surprising. And I think like some of my clients that I work with, like one-to-one on a consultation basis, sometimes I think people don't know what to do. Like they don't even know where to start. Like they'll be like, hey, I want to get into tech. Everybody's telling me money's in tech. Cool, I'm gonna just get into tech. And it's like, whoa, let's slow down. Like I've had a few clients that I was like, maybe you should talk to bees first or maybe you should talk to um, Asia first because like these are people who are doing it. And so I'm not in tech. You know, if you want to talk about writing policy, you want to talk about municipal um, guidance, I got you. But when we start talking about like a serious industry like tech, I got you on the resume. But there are so many other things that you need to do, whether it's networking, whether it's security clearances, whether it's studying time, you know, what is the best study method to pass these certifications? Like, I am not a cert girl. I have to be honest, okay? I be going to school, I be getting my little degrees, and I just be hoping that they carry me further than where I am today, but I really see what certs are doing for other people. So I encourage them. So how do you advise people who are like, um, like kind of like how you were saying, like, what if I wanted to pivot into tech and I had not much tech experience. I come from maybe like a finance background. What do you tell clients then? Like how, how should I structure my resume? So the best thing that I do is that I realize that I don't know everything. However, I know where to find the information. So I'm on Beezus mailing list, <laughs> Asia's timeline. Like, it's nothing wrong with, and I also know other resume writers who are heavier in other industries. And I don't have an issue with like, hey, can I subcontract this over to you? Or can you look at this resume for me and let me know, like, you know, what are some things that I'm not seeing that are super transferable to tech? I also have some clients that I have to be super honest with that, like, unless you want me to flat out lie on your resume, which like, listen, sis, if that's what you need, because you just in a situation, (laughs) but unless you want me to flat out lie on this resume, young lady, like, I just don't think you got it right now. But like, give me three months, like, give me three Mm. months of you doing the certification, passing the certification, doing a little freelance work doing this, and then we can start to transition it onto your resume. But like, you straight just being like, 
Like, unless you were in finance where you were like a financial, or we could finagle your resume to say that you were some level of like financial auditor, there are people who have to audit finances or who do like process improvements or who evaluate transactions to find discrepancies. Like there are ways in which tech flows into that and we could absolutely say you did that at your job, but depending on the level of background that is going to happen, um, we might need you to actually like go to HR and ask to shadow another um, department. So that's what I do for some clients who just don't have it. Like I'll be like, go to your manager and just say, hey, I would like to learn this other skill. I want to shadow this other department because companies don't want to lose good people. If you're right. a hard worker in customer service, they don't care if you go to customer service, accounts receivable, human resources, mm -hmm. they want to retain good talent. They right. don't want to lose you to another company that's going to give you the job you want. All right, we have some That is so true. Go ahead, Ari. We have two questions from Twitter. The first one is from Streetsy, our girl. And she said- Shout out Streetsy. Hey, girl. I love her. <laughs> How do you always have such great clapbacks for these hating hoes? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let's talk about it. Right. Well, you know, <laughs> starters, um, my former appointment. So I was the assistant managing director of the field of like policy um, overseeing Philadelphia police officers. So if you got clapbacks for a police department that is 70% male and you can be classy and you can still get the job done, like it builds a level of tough skin. Um, Ari made a tweet the other day where she was like, I'm not nice, you know, I'm respectful. And I think that's really just it. Like, I'm not y'all friends. So like, talk to me the way you would talk to me if you saw me in Target. Like if you saw me in Target, you wouldn't have any smoke for me. But because you do, like, let's talk because... I'm not, y'all be, people really be thinking like, oh, she got a business, so she's not going to say shit back. I also got degrees and I got a nine to five. So like, I'm going to say what I'm going to say to you because like, I don't care if you be like, I ain't like how she said that. So I'm not going to buy from her. I'm still going to buy these trips. I'm still going to get these bracelets. Like, don't talk to me no type of way. If you're nice to me, I'm going to be nice to you. But like, if you come out your neck crazy, I'm going to let you know, like, I'm not the one. <laughs> I knew I liked you. Girl, <laughs> <laughs> All right, Armin asked. Here. I know people be saying anything. Like they be like, she on Twitter, and I tell people all the time, like, what y'all scared people gonna beat you up? Like, why do y'all have to subtweet people? Like, nobody's gonna pull up and beat me up. So, nobody, like, absolutely nobody. nobody. <laughs> like, oh, when I see you, it's on site. No, it's not. Cause it's, it's like, not. <laughs> No, it's not. Relax. <laughs> Sorry, you see me at Starbucks and Target. Right. right. <laughs> like, let's be real. I've seen some of y'all in public. And when y'all see <laughs> all love, boo, like, don't ever, like, I oh. people be giggling online about stuff. And I'll be like, but since you was in my DMs, because you need a resume. <laughs> like, I thought, I thought it was like, okay. When them hey, jokes that that happens there, often. It happens so often. I just had to realize, like, when them jokes fly on Twitter, everybody want to be kiki keying. And it's just like, okay, I'll be taking these screenshots because I remember, like, that little <laughs> pocketbook situation. I was just waiting, like, okay, sis. Gotcha. <laughs> All right, last question. Armand asks, are you looking to contract with other resume writers? Um, it depends. So I really appreciate that I've been able to build a substantial brand um, that allows me to hire out. So I have two resume writers right now. They are super awesome. They've really allowed me to get my work life balance back because when it started, I was, when we ran started, I was doing my nine to five 
closing my office door, writing resumes, reserving a conference room to meet with clients. Like I was just doing it all, doing my own marketing. Like it was so much that I just had no work-life balance. Um, so right now, um, I think I'm okay at capacity, but if that person wants to DM me, like they're welcome to DM me and we can talk. But that just goes to show, and I don't know if there's any entrepreneurs, like your business is never going to be a $20,000 business if you're doing all the work yourself. Like my, my, I scale significantly when I just like hired people. I got a question. Are y'all done talking about business? <laughs> you ready to get to it, huh? Look, I'm pulling an Ari on y'all. Well, I was like, where is Ari at? <laughs> Normally, Ari be having all the business? smoke, all the questions. <laughs> what is going on with Ari today? Why are you Look, so quiet? I I'm love hungover. Over I want to talk about black love, okay, guys? Damn. <laughs> I'm hungover, and Britt and I are like, I would say we're pretty close, so... Cool. You move out the way. All right, Brit. <laughs> hey, I, I, I know about her already, so y'all ask. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Right, hold Brit. on. I got a question. Okay, hold B, on. Let's wait ahead, on B, that before ahead, we get in that. So, so um, Brit, so why do you think that people like relate to the struggle so much? And then when you start talking about success, they don't want to hear it. Like, why don't people see us as like inspirational? A lot of people do, but then at the same time, like if you do, if you say certain things, certain things on Twitter are a trigger. I've learned that. Right, right. So if you say certain things or do certain things, you're going to have everybody in an uproar. So like, why, why do you think that is? I honestly think it's that, first of all, I think some of it is anti-Black. So I'm going to just say that. And okay, like it's anti-Black because the reality is that like, when y'all be like, oh, I guess you never had nothing nice. I never thought that of any of my law school colleagues who drove Benzes to law school every day. Like I just assumed, oh, Perhaps their dad is attorney. Perhaps their dad is a partner. Like it never dawned on me when they would be like, oh, I got to leave class early because I got to take my bins in for maintenance. I never was like, oh, what a bitch. Like, <laughs> no. now that I have a BMW and it be blinking and beeping and everything else when it's time to go back, I get it. Like, you know what? When it has to go back, it has to go back. But I think sometimes people don't, I think like just in black culture, like bragging, we're taught that like bragging is wrong. We're taught mm -hmm. that like talking about material things is wrong. We're taught even talking about money, period, is wrong. Like we're brought up that we don't even Thank talk. You. I didn't even know how much money my mom made until I went to college and they asked for her financial aid information. Like I had never talked about money. Therefore, I never talked about savings. Therefore, I never talked about job negotiation. Therefore, like... I never knew really what it costs to even take care of myself. So the reality is that I got so many loans. I mean, I got so many loans from law school and loans from undergrad because nobody told me like, you can't ball out with your refund checks. Like your refund checks should not be substantiating your living, right? Like nobody told me those things. And because nobody told me those things because we didn't talk about money, I messed up. Like I made bad choices. And I think we as a culture have to get super comfortable with A, um, talking about money, but B, recognizing we deserve nice things. I also think that there is a concern because nobody ever talks shit when I be buying diapers. Like, why don't y'all be mad about the money I'm spending when it's a thousand dollars to diapers? Why don't y'all be mad about the money I'm spending when it's, I want to treat people to lunch, when I'm sponsoring classes here and there? Like, nobody cares what I do with my money until I'm spending it on me. 
and I'm just not that. Okay, all right, I'm an only child. The world revolves around Britney, my husband, his life. Okay, my husband just treats me like the queen that I am. I got six sons, so I don't carry no groceries, no boxes, no nothing. Like, people aren't used. To, when people say, like, I'm a queen, they really don't really be, like, knowing what that means, I think. And I think to see someone else who really, like, personifies that and is super comfortable with that and doesn't feel like I got to be humble about that. Um, that makes people uncomfortable. And like I said, I shared a story where like, I remember being in law school and this girl always talking about like, oh, when I was in the military and oh, I'm a vet and all these experiences. And it used to make me so uncomfortable. And what I grew up and realized like over time is like, I was uncomfortable because her experiences made me feel unaccomplished. Like it made me feel like, damn, like I, I don't, like she had a plan, like she went to the military, she was a vet at this point, they were paying for her to go to law school and she was gonna become a JAG officer. And I didn't have that plan. I was just like fumbling my way around law school. I didn't know what I was gonna do with myself. I didn't even know if I had a secure job afterwards. And the reality is that I was uncomfortable around her because of how secure she was. So I already peaked what it is. Basically, I felt that. <clears throat> yeah. That's what it is, because it's like people see, People see you when you're struggling and they can relate to the struggle, right? But they cannot relate to hustling hard as fuck and sacrificing. They hate that S word. They hate sacrificing. When you tell them, oh, I have to do this, this, they're like, oh, you work too much. Black people are not supposed to work that hard. I'm like, look, say they hate the work word. When I grew up, like, I, I done been evicted as a kid. You know what I'm saying? I've been homeless as a kid. Like, I work my ass off to get to where I am right now. So when people be like, oh, you can't tell people they got to do it. Yes, the fuck I can. Like, I did that shit. I worked hard as fuck. I worked two jobs. I worked three jobs at one point. Like I hustled my ass off for years just so I can, you know, pay off my car, have a reliable, uh, you know, transportation, you know, have a, a house and not have to worry about rent, put some savings away, be able to start a business, be able to invest, be able to put money in a bank account for my little sisters. Like that took years of work. And so when you tell people like, look, I sacrificed, you could do it too. They're like, uh, I don't like that. That's hard work. I don't, don't want to do that. Or, or, that only, like, or that only works for you. That yeah. would work for me. I guarantee yeah. you, if I tweeted out right now, if I'd be like, hey, I blew $2,000 spending on myself, fuck it. People, more people going to relate to that versus me saying like, look, I spent $2,000 and invested it in myself and hopefully, you know, I'm going to get that return later on. The first tweet going to get way more, people going to relate with that one because everybody, you know, blows money on themselves, but not many people. Not in the middle of a pandemic. I know exactly. you're not talking about spending no money in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> but you know what? People still going to relate to it. They still going to relate to it. Why? That, because, that's why I call you an elitist. Because everybody mm -hmm. can't spend right now, Tara. Some people... But look, no, okay. like, like, <laughs> Ain't that what Twitter said? Like, that is what they look, I done spent like $200 this past year just eating out. People are going to be like, oh, yeah, me too. <laughs> Same thing. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you're right. <laughs> people like yeah me too in a pandemic yes people relate <laughs> so to that shit so we got into a whole thing online right like where I was talking about like luxury handbags like people are like oh that's not an investment I would rather a man buy me acres you know what I wouldn't okay I live in the city of Philadelphia I don't want no acres here okay I don't want it I'm fine thanks a ton buy me the bag okay just take me to King of Pressure Mall and buy me the bag I'm so, not but people say that and then like what would you do with that like you say that, like you want your man. Okay, your man bought you. That I do your it. man bought I you. No, I'm no, I'm saying Dang. with the acres thing. No, I'm talking about the acres thing. Like, okay, your man buys you ten acres. Now what? What are you doing with? Look, that? look, like, look, look. People I'm, just I'm be saying like acres. anything. Look, 
I'm part of Team Acres, okay? Look, I'm saying I'm put I that out there. I love land. Like, you buy me 10 acres, I'm going to go out there, I'm going to shoot, I'm going to ride the dirt bikes, I'm going to have a good-ass time, okay? That's me. I love it, okay? A handbag is going to sit in my closet. I might wear it to Lennox Mall. I might. I, I'm just going to be honest. You know but what I'm saying? saying but that, you got to know your woman. People that people, be like, I think, like, I don't like arguing with people about money because when people have that idea that, like, oh, you know, a handbag is a waste of money, I'm like, do y'all really be reading the finance reports? Because last year, I think it was, like, handbags were, like, one of the top investments that they were talking about last year. So it's like, I don't want to get into the handbag versus acres fight because if we really want to talk about it, handbags were up there with investments last year. So like, I don't know yeah. which little business insider you read, but the one I read <laughs> had these bags up there. So I'm going to keep collecting these bags and yeah. we could both flip them at some point because when yeah. Louis stops making this bag, it's going to be worth a lot. When the Birkin is, is aged, it's going to be like worth a lot. We see how Telfar is being flipped right now. Like, let's right. just be honest that like, you don't want people to buy things because you just feel like everyone should be doing community economics right now and we should be taking care of each other. But I'm like, after that's all said and done, should I not do anything for myself? But my thing is people that you be are saying stuff right. like that, they usually have no type of like, acumen or nothing or what they're talking about because it's right. like it's the same situation of like one of my favorite interviews uh cameron he was doing an interview and he's like all his friends always come up to him like yo cameron i'm trying to start a business i'm trying to start a business he'd be like all right so what you trying to do and they just be like i don't know i'm just trying to start a business and that's how i feel like that oh i wish my mayor buy me an acre instead like okay and what's your plan with the acre miss <laughs> like Ooh, yeah, me i'm sit on that shit Oh, no, I'm saying you, you. Yeah, you, but I'm saying, I'm saying most people, no, I'm but saying look, like most look, people, look. they just be talking, like saying yeah, shit. but look, like, I'm looking at it as a good bag. standpoint. If you're trying to buy me an investment, I got a whole list in my notes. But, but that's you, Tara. That's, that's How many people are like you? I think that's yeah. also it. Like, it's okay to just get a nice gift. Like, I don't want yeah. to every right, time. Like, right, sometimes right. exactly. you buy me a nice gift, right? Like, exactly. it goes into, like, the girl who, like, I really wanted an Apple Watch, but I just couldn't see myself paying for one because I just, I don't know. Like, I was just like, it's just not nothing in my top tier that I want to pay for it. But my husband saw me looking at one, so he bought it for me. So I was like, wow, like, my husband went and bought me an Apple Watch, and this girl was like, oh, the bar's on the floor. And then he, I told him my car, and he bought me a BMW. So I'm like, now where's the bar? Like, why do y'all have these, like, nobody can get anybody a gift that's Because these niggas are broke out here. That's why. It's a gift. Like they, they But look, but look, you got to understand a lot of women don't give gifts. And I'm not saying that to be malicious towards, with, to, towards <laughs> women. I'm just saying a lot of women don't give gifts from men. Like, especially expensive gifts. So, of course, women feel salty when they see another woman and they feel like you're bragging on them, so they feel salty about it. I but look, exactly. That's why I just feel like, look, block, block them. I love seeing black people buy nice shit, okay? Look, luxurious. I fucking love it. Buy a Benz, buy a BMW, sit, stand on top of the car, everything. Take the angles on the pictures <laughs> and everything. I'm going to retweet that shit. Let's go. Let's rock. I love to see exactly. it. Exactly. Be obnoxious with it. Look, I fucking love it. We ain't had shit before. Let's, let's rock it. We got it now. You know, so when people like it's okay to not have had shit before. Like I sure didn't didn't have shit, right? Like was on public assistance, like was using food stamps. I wanted to show y'all that y'all could go from like buying steak on food stamps to like going to Sullivan's whenever you want. Like if I could do it and I was broke, you could do it too. Look, it's inspirational. Look, I look growing up, I saw only a handful of black women having nice shit 
One of them being my aunt. She the first woman I ever seen making like, we're talking like 250K a year and spending like 20K on a handbag. You know what I'm saying? Like taking me shopping and I'm like, yo, you really about to spend three bands at Marshall's? This is for real? You know what I'm saying? So like, we need to see that shit. You know, you don't, it's, it may be a young black girl that's out there. Maybe she in college or something and she get her degree and she see women like you on Twitter that's, you know, showing off handbags. She like, you know what? One day that's going to be me. That's the way I look at it. You know, you're inspiring other people to have nice shit that maybe they didn't have before. Like it's so many, like just like young black women who are like, I'm, I'm, I don't got it right now, but like your story showed me that like I could be fucked up and then I could still get it. And I think what people don't realize is like, it's for me, it reminds me like I could lose everything and I would be good because I know I could get it back. Like if I could go from that to here, I know for a fact if I lost everything against today, I'd be totally fine. And I think- Mm -hmm. That's a confidence that I don't think a lot of people have. Like a lot of people are scared to lose it all. So they're like, I got to live like I could lose it all today and be done for. I could lose it all today and I know I'd be able to get it back. Mm-hmm. I just think people need to see it. It's beautiful. Keep showing it. For the haters, yeah. keep when hating. It, <laughs> when it comes to gifts, get your partner whatever they like. Like point blank period. Like. Most people that are gifting land have other assets. They already buying bags. If you buy <laughs> exactly. bags, they can get you the land if you want it. So it really don't matter. Do whatever you like. Um, but I have I have another question. What's one random thing or one one random fact that nobody knows about you, Brittany? Um, one random fact about me. Um, I don't know. I think. Um, no, I mean, I think it's like becoming a fact that I have a nine to five. Um, I think I've started to share what I actually do in real life. Yeah, I didn't know you had one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Until you I said guess it. That's a random fact. Um, so I oversaw workforce development for the city of Philadelphia, and then I was an assistant managing director overseeing compliance for police officers. Um, most of my nine to five work is in like diversity, equity, and inclusion for cities, governments, um, government agencies. So now I support all diversity, equity, and inclusion strategy for 60,000 60, students across about 60 charter schools. Um, so I guess the random fact would be that like, as much as people don't like that I buy nice things, I actually have a pretty, uh, sir, I, I'm always in like service-based policy jobs. So um, improving the lives of black and brown children is really a passion of mine. So I love black women. Um, I love black and brown children. I love black families, whatever family looks like. Um, I talk a lot about my mother is my mother and my stepmother. So my mother's married to a woman. And I think that just really shifted my thought when I talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion. And when I talk about family, family is really big for me and my family is really unique. Um, but it also allows me to advocate for families in a different way. So a lot of my advocacy work recently has been in how teachers talk to students virtually. So a lot of teachers are like, tell your mom and dad or tell your mom and dad. And it's like every child doesn't have a dad. I didn't, I've never had a dad in my house. Um, and my mom has been a lesbian my whole life. So really ensuring that my experiences growing up um, translate into all of the work that I do professionally. That's oh, wait, a random fact, I too. I didn't know before that either. Forget, you said it on the timeline once. <laughs> before I forget, what do you say to people that say you shouldn't job hop? I say job hop because I've left a job for six months and got $20,000 more. 
if you're good at what you do, companies want you and they really don't care. And I think like, it's so funny when I job hopped, when I left that job after six months, I over prepared to answer, you know, I see you've only been at your job for five months. Tell me why you're leaving so soon. Like I nailed that answer. I drilled that answer. I practiced that answer over and over and over and they never asked. And then when I got the job, I asked like, Hey, you guys never asked, you know, why I left my job so soon. And they were like, honestly, we never even looked at the dates. What we looked at is what you actually did at the job. Um, we really mm. didn't care. And I think when you get to certain levels in your professional career, and I don't want to sound like elitist because like I said, I was in a call center at one point. I think when you get to certain places like that executive or that director level, people aren't looking for length of time as much as they're looking for like the best candidate that's going to come in and make change. Mm. That makes sense. That's a that's a good answer. Um, so somebody on the timeline they asked, "What's the worst career advice you've ever heard that people still blindly follow?" That when don't leave a job. That's what I was thinking. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's what everybody say. Like, you better stay at that job. Like, man, fuck that. That's how I feel. Uh, I also say, see, sometimes I feel this way, but then I also see the other side. So people be like, "Don't leave a job without another one." I think sometimes that's misguided because sometimes your job can be a distraction. Like I know for me, I left a job and I didn't even tell anybody. I left my assistant managing director job. I just left in October and then took my family to Jamaica in November. And then I had another job by December. And like, I just believe that I wasn't able to even focus on a new job or like a new opportunity because my job was so taxing on my time and my emotional health. So to go to work, evaluate officer conduct, interview officers, write policy, interview constituents, um, talk to my director, talk to other directors. Like my job was so emotionally taxing that I needed to step out, take a break so that I could get to another job. But I also recognize my privilege in that is that I still had a business. So like I was privileged that no, I didn't just step out and wing it. Um, I also have never, I wasn't a good saver at that time. So it wasn't like I had saved up six months of my salary and left. So I still would say like, if you're going to leave, save up first, have a plan, um, know what you're going to do and have confidence. Like you got to have confidence when you be like, I'm going to leave. Um, I also say, especially if you're a black woman, if you're leaving your job and you can't find another, figure out what you can sell to make somebody else's life easier. I think that's a bar right there. Right. <laughs> All right, Tara, I think you up. Wait, am I? The uh, the personal stuff? <laughs> yeah. Look, I don't even I, look. Am I? <laughs> am I? Okay, so look, I wanted to know, um, how did you meet your husband? Uh, if you, if you could talk about it, if you could talk about it, if it's, if it's okay with you. Uh, I slid in my husband's DMs. So Ooh. my husband- On Twitter? Was, no, on Instagram. Um, my husband was on Instagram. I've known my husband since I was 16. Um, he was, or he is my best friend from high school. He's her God brother. So I knew him, um, when we were kids, but like, it was more like, you know, like the crush you have on your friend's brother. Like it wasn't like a real ever talk to him or ever like got to know him. It just was like, Ooh, her brother fine. Um, but then like once I was an adult, I stumbled across his Instagram and Clearly, he was interested because he was on Instagram topless. So I was like, he clear because my nigga would never. So he clearly is up for grabs. So let me just slide in his DMs real quick. And I just was like, so 
I'm just trying to see something real quick because I see you got your sweatpants on or whatever. And it's been history ever since. Um, after three weeks, we got matching tattoos. So me and my husband have matching tattoos in our biceps. And we went to Jamaica a couple of weeks after that. And it's that's just it's just been amazing ever since. I love it. If you hear that lady, shoot your shot. Yeah, your husband is on the other side of a DM. Look, these <laughs> Not on Twitter. You can't on Twitter. They get tight. He's supposed to do. He's supposed to. You you're never supposed to shoot your shot or show interest or whatever. They get pissed. Oh, when you tell they don't want to show. My, why don't people want to? He, he's not a he's not a manly man. He's a he's submissive. Man. He's yeah. submissive or beta male. If like you shoot your shot at him, he doesn't come for you. That's what they say. Sometimes that's never been my be like experience, but slightly scary. They just be like, "Look, I ain't trying to like say nothing because I don't want to get dragged." And then you just, <laughs> yeah, so you just gotta say one thing, and then they off it off like you know, gone with the wind. I mean, I was a little bit scared. Like I do. Okay, so once once I saw he responded, because you know, like the alert pops on your phone. Like I saw he responded, and like I did have a moment of like, "Dang, what if he be like nail Britney?" Um, <laughs> so like, I was a little bit nervous, but then I was just like, okay, <laughs> what's the worst he going to say? Like the worst he going to be like, is like, I'm not interested. That's, but like, if that's the, and I think I do that to myself a lot. Like if the worst thing a person's going to say is no, thank you. Then like, okay, I shot my shot and either I'm now on his radar and now he's going to be, you know, checking for me or he's going to block me. Like if, if he really <laughs> is not trying to, you know, mess with me or nothing like that. He won't block me. But he didn't. Like, he was super receptive. And he gave me his number. And we just been, like, having a great relationship. It's the whole husband. Exactly. And I tell people all the time that, like, I was never – I don't be scared of rejection generally generally in life. Like, you got to take chances. Like, if you ain't going to take a chance on yourself, like, I don't trust you. You wouldn't take a chance on you. Like, no fake. Like, you're not nobody I would want around me. Because, like, boo, you don't even trust you. Like, you don't even think you got you. So, like, yeah, I had to slide in his DMs and I had to post some thirst traps. Like, so, like, you got to do what you got to do. Because you got to, like, show yourself um, as, like, worthy. But I think also when we talk about, like, Black love and just, like, the relationship, I'm not the person who plays it cool. So, like, I know everybody talks about they could go X amount of days without talking to their significant other. No. Like, from the moment I was talking to my husband, like, my husband was in my phone all day, every day, and I was in his phone all day, every day. Like, I'm talking, hey, okay, I'm about to go to sleep. Hey, okay, I'm up now. That's me. Like, maybe it's because I'm a tourist, but, like, a lot of people are cool with, like, oh, yeah, if we talking, I'm okay not talking for a couple of days. Can't relate. Yeah, and I, I don't see. relate to that at all. <laughs> yeah, I, that's that's me and my, my fiance. We the same way. She, if I don't talk to her, oh, it's it's bad. She so I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't be doing much, but you know I be tweeting. So if oh. I go too long and I'm tweeting and I don't see the text, like she gets pissed off. But we're the same way. Like I literally, I shot my shot. Honestly, I should have did like you. I should have shot my shot earlier, but. She was in a relationship, so I was being respectful. Oh. So I finally shot my shot when shit got a little rocky. And <laughs> so shot my shot, got in there, and we literally been talking ever since. Like, since the day that, you know, I, we started talking, we, there's 
there's been a few days we haven't talked, but basically we've been talking <laughs> every single day since then, you know, like everything been fine. Like, you know, we got engaged and we're going to get married soon. So yeah. Were like, you we, like out the country when y'all didn't talk for a few days? Um, yeah, when I was in Taiwan. Okay. Okay. I think I could like understand that considering. You know, like, like if you get in an argument or something like that, you know, and it's real easy when you overseas, like you get in an argument, we got mad and it's just like. We just not gonna talk today, but that's it's rare. But it's rare. It's like we we mad, like we really angry. So, but it's all good though. It's all good. Sometimes we get mad. I'm a Leo. You got four Which hours way? to apologize and make it right, or I'm, I'm saying like. <laughs> <laughs> but I think we're both stubborn. Like if you're stubborn, like nobody wants to say who's wrong first. Then we just be like, fuck it. Like we just gonna wait till tomorrow. We are gonna try it again tomorrow. See, I'm a softie. I, I'll admit that. Well, my husband and I are both Tauruses. So my husband's birthday is April 30th and mine is May 3rd. And mm. I'll, I'll apologize. But I see like the end game, right? Like my husband gives me the world. Like I'm really going to walk around with an attitude. Like I'm about to block my blessings. Like that man might have a surprise in a car and I'm over here acting like I don't want to speak. Like, I'm sorry. Um, do you want to do something tonight? Because I could get a sitter for us if you want. Like, I I will listen. I don't know. I can't, Everybody don't have that type of husband. But for me, I be an apologizing ass, okay? I be a pick-me. I be making macaroni and cheese in the middle of the night and everything. So, I don't know. <laughs> I be like, you want to go out? I'm sorry. I was totally out of control. Like, my bad. I'm going to just block them. <laughs> People be flirting online. I be like, "What's up with this?" I be like, "Don't even worry, boo." Black city, like I don't know. I just, I can't. I don't. But I expect, and I think I just expect the same from my husband, though. And I think that's mm-hmm. the difference. That like my husband treats me like that, so it's easy for me to be that way. And even when my husband like doesn't apologize, I don't really be worried because my husband. Yeah, I don't really be worried. <laughs> like, it's I not am like y'all dead. About to that's that's the same thing with like me and my fiance like it's not like we going we not gonna break up like we get mad but it's like i'm not going to where she's like i'll be damn like i'm not ever letting you go and i'm not letting her go either so it's like i mean whatever and we're still long distance so it's like okay so i'm like yeah like we're not together no, no, like, she's not here right now. She'll be here at the beginning of the year. But, it's like, when she gets here, it's not going to ever be, like, I, I can't do that. Like, if you're in the same house and you still can't talk, like, th- that doesn't work for me at all. You just got to bring her some snacks. That's how you right. get a Pisces. Feed her. Right? Yeah. right, just feed her. Right? right. Here, here's some chocolate. Right. <laughs> Sorry. Literally. Literally. My mom used to be like that. Like, I would get in trouble or she'd, like, beat my ass over something. And then she'd like, come back three hours later, like, you want McDonald's? <laughs> you want to run with me to the store you want like, no. <laughs> oh shit um one day, one day your, I'm there. does your husband use uh social media a lot i feel like i don't want my guy my dude on social media period my husband has no social media well you know what i'm sorry he has he just got back on facebook um, to keep in touch with um, all his family. Like, most of his family is out of town. So, Tara, why are you laughing like this? What's up with that, though? Why y'all so don't want, strict. Why y'all so don't want people on social media, though? It, it, I'm not worried about my significant other. I'm worried about me pissing everybody off just for having an opinion. And they go, like, 
attacking him or try to say some shit. Like, look, you talk about someone I care about, I'm pulling up to your fucking house. Right? Brittany, you are <laughs> funny as shit. You said, uh, no. Facebook? Like, you know, like, keep, in with him, keep in touch with his brother and stuff like that. He on Facebook? So what happens if he hops on Twitter? What happens if he hops on Twitter and then right. starts tweeting tweets like, oh, is that so? No, like, my, <laughs> like, my husband knows that, like, like, case in point, when I had tweeted, like, oh, it's my husband's birthday, but the real, you know, he's just preparing for the real celebration, which is my birthday. My husband is in his 40s. He does not care about birthdays anymore. Like, he's right, not right. these young niggas right. out here that, like, right. want a Gucci belt for their birthday. Like, my right. husband is almost, like, my husband's a lot older, does not care about no birthdays. Does he care about my 30th birthday being a big deal? Yeah. yeah. I'm a woman. Like, it's 30. My husband done been 30 already. My husband did an exciting thing for 30. But I say all that to say that, like, the same thing as Ari said, like, sometimes when people, people get just, like, super comfortable with who your significant other is, like, they like to talk shit. So one day I had posted a picture of my husband um, with my signature. He had got my signature tattooed on him. And this girl was like, oh, is that your dad? And I'm like, I mean, I call him daddy and he pays my bills. But, like, bitch, you know who it is. Like, stop being funny. <laughs> So that's what, like Ari said, like people just like to like be funny online. Um, so I think it's like protecting that. But it's also like, let's be real. Like, do I really want a man who sits and tweets all day or do I want him to go like mow the lawn? Like, right. why, <laughs> why can't he do both? Yes. You do both? You tweet um, with a shirt off. No, the money my mind can make being offline doing other shit. Y'all all tweet though. Y'all all tweet and still make money. Why can't your man do the same? I'm not yeah, productive when I'm tweeting. I'm what not did the men say? What did the men? What did the men say? Preferences. Okay. Right. Yeah, you're right. My preference. No, I want you know, like, that's I outside. Mowing I don't even want you shit. working from home. Like, go to the <laughs> office and get out and go, go work. Feel the house comfortable sitting. Like, no, go work. Like, go be sexy and work and make money and you come home from a hard day, right? Like, my husband be at construction sites. Like, that's like, <laughs> yeah, there we go. Man's man. So, like, good. My husband would be wearing a hard hat. Like, cool. <laughs> I love to see it, okay? Like, bring it on home. But I don't know. I also look at it like, you know, it's okay that some men tweet all day. Like, don't get me wrong. But, like, that's not my man. So, I really don't care what you That's do. not my man. <laughs> but... but <laughs> <laughs> my man um no he's not sitting on twitter all day and my husband has even said like the, the same way my husband has some stuff where he's like no like my wife is not putting her titties out on instagram all day like i get you when i get your titties done but like i don't want you to get it fucked up like let's not like play the game and i bite my tongue so like everybody has standards for their relationship and what they're comfortable with right exactly no one's, no one's checking for these people who are tight about our preferences like we wouldn't date <laughs> we wouldn't exactly. we wouldn't be right. in the same place right so it don't even matter right offline so what are you fucking tight about we would never bump into each other so Ever. Like, be like oh I, I don't date gold diggers okay awesome the good right. thing is my husband does so <laughs> girl see oh, this, why, this why you don't want your man online because you no, don't want him to hear this listen my husband loves to talk heavy about what he did and i think that's the common misconception like Real, like men love taking care of their woman. Like men right, love, right. my husband loves Thank me. You. Like 
Right. Oh, yeah. Like when he bought my car, my husband was the first person to take it to the barbershop. Like, oh, I just bought my girl a, B- a BMW. Like, it's nothing. Like, my husband loves being able to talk about the things that he does. He loves being able to say, like, yeah, my wife paid off $16,000 in debt because I make sure she doesn't have to pay any bills. Like, I take care of my wife and I take care of my kids. And Chorus I don't. Men especially love that shit. Like, it is right. like a turn on for them to well, be able to say, let's like, let's be honest. She don't pay for anything. She works because she wants to. Like, hey, I don't know. <laughs> well, let's like, be honest. What dude don't want to be able to go and, and right. be at the barbershop? Right. You know, like, I take shit. care of my family. Like, like yeah, better. I bought my girl this or I bought my significant other this. Like, come right. on now. The yeah. Yeah. Straight, bisexual, it don't matter. Yeah. Any dude want to do that. I take care you of mine. Take care of your family. I feel like exactly. if, if that's your family, like, you want to take care of them. I'm the same way. Like, me like once she gets here she's not gonna pay any bills i pay all my bills here and i pay some bills in virginia too oh okay let them let know. seller billionaire let them know okay right i pay bills in two states so let them know you take care of yours let them know you take care of yours yours and hers let them know yeah both of them so Hey, I mean, you should want to take care of your family. Like, I don't care. Like, just like you said, it don't matter what kind of relationship. Somebody has to take care unless you, I mean, I don't know. I feel like somebody should be taking care of the house. Right. I take pride that, like, I cook almost every night. And if I don't cook, I take care of dinner, whether that's ordering or that's, like, just making sure that, like, my husband don't really worry about cooking. Like, even if I'm not the one who cooks or I'm not the one who cleans, my husband doesn't worry about that. He either knows I'm going to do it or I'm going to hire somebody to get it done. But he doesn't worry about, like, ain't nothing to eat. Like, I do the grocery shopping. And not because, like, it's fine that patriarchy works in our house. making sure, like, you are the one cleaning and sleeping and shit. Like, <laughs> he just wants to come home to a clean house and have food when he gets home. That's it. I mean, honestly... I don't care what job he has. And that's why when people be like, but I can't get that type of job, then sell crack to take care of your family. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what you want me to do, but like, take care of your family. So he's not worried about how this stuff gets on the table, how stuff gets cleaned. Like, why are y'all worried about what kind of job he is? Worry about him taking care of you. Right, like those men who are like, if I have a stay-at-home wife, she's going to do laundry, cook, raise the kids. They want her to be a slave. That's they want her to be that house yeah. slave. how can you want to have sex like you want me to do it from all these different positions but i've been cooking and cleaning and taking care of kids and we had twins like I wish I would like my husband knows like I break my husband has never paid for formula a day in his life you know how high formula is okay like I breastfed twins no I'm not paying no bills like I just can't <laughs> understand like do y'all know how much a woman goes through when she no, like no they don't niggas are absolutely oblivious wait y'all seen me mad I'm about push con- gifts Y'all seen that? They're yeah, pissed okay. off about people giving push gifts now. But They're look, like, I want to oh, say that with the push gifts just for having it. a baby, like it's a whole. Baby. I don't think they actually love these women because if you <laughs> love somebody and you see them going through the shit that mothers actually have to go through and women have to go through on a daily basis, you would be breaking your neck to make sure she don't got to go through that shit and make sure that she has everything that she needs. I just don't. I just don't understand that. 
Like, exactly. I want to make sure, like, you don't have to stress and worry. My kid's going to be with you most of the time, most likely, or at least 50% of the time, shit. Mm-hmm. So, like, you have somewhere to live. You have transportation. Like, my kid is good. He has a roof over his head. He's fed and insured. Like, the guys who don't even do that, ugh. I just look, they just don't I don't think they love these women. I'm just I'm just saying they don't actually love the women that they be with because if you actually love that woman, you're gonna make sure she got everything she needs, especially if she pushing out your kid and she gotta go to the hospital and she gotta go through child delivery. A lot of these like, people be in like situationships. <laughs> so now nah, most of the time they probably don't really fuck with her on that level. That's to crazy. Do that, she just happened to have a baby. And now they yeah, stuck. Feels scummy because like even if you don't like a person, like there, there are plenty of people who, like, I don't really fuck with like that, but I don't fuck them over either because I realize what it could do for me. And I think, like, again, it goes back to you don't even care about yourself. You don't care about yourself enough to say, I'm going to take care of this woman because I want a healthy child. I want a, a child. Like, trauma is passed through, like, genetics, they say now, right? So, like, why right. would you want a woman to experience a traumatic experience with you emotionally? Like, why would you not want to be there for your partner when they have a, they have a child? I think, like, so many men want to pass their legacy down, but they don't really want to pass down a legacy of like, I took care of your mother or like I cared for your mother. Like, even if we weren't together, like I can't say when my twins were born, my husband and I weren't married. Like we were together. When when I got pregnant with my twins, we were like messing around, but my husband took care of me. Like that was just it. And I think even when we want to talk about situationships, like situationships, you could still take care of a person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Even if you're not together with them, even if you don't even fuck with them, like, look, they're carrying your child. Don't stress them out. You passing that stress on to your child. Like, come on now. To me, that's... But I also think a lot of men, but a lot of men, they do downplay pregnancy, having a child. Like, look at the conversation. Anytime a child support comes up, look at what niggas be saying. Like, Men really have like, you no deserve a thousand dollars a month. Why? Why? Why do they, they have that like much money? It's they, a huge disconnect. It's a yeah. huge disconnect between like what it costs to actually raise a child or be like because it's a lot of like weekend dads that got a bunch to say and it's like have your child for thirty days, five days out of the week, and let the mom be a weekend mom, and you'll see how much it really costs. A perfect example is one of my exes. He just had a baby with somebody he was in a situation with. Or whatever so he crying about child support and you know what he said in his mind the child support is just a second income for her <laughs> what that, yeah, a lot that of, was a lot that of was literally like what that. he said he was like i'm paying her i think he pays like 400 or something a month or something like that he was like I'm paying oh, her. You know, yeah, yeah. so so my eyes really like open wide when he was like yeah i pay x amount of dollars that's just like a second income to her and i was forty eight hundred dollars is a second income Wait, wait, four hundred dollars. So it was like it was like he said like four and some change. I don't really remember the exact. So, so the, the light bill, the light bill like two fifty. That's okay, what I was just about to like, say. If so you do after school him. care, that's like government sanctioned after school care, like where you only pay like seventy five dollars a week. You know that that's the whole month. That's the whole check right there, and then it's not including food and like the water bill and like rent because you got to get a bigger apartment because you're not exactly. going to be cramped in a one bedroom with a child. Yeah, like shit like that, like transportation, healthcare, I think clothing. Support, <laughs> I think child support gets touchy just because like people have this idea that they are paying someone to parent and they're not. Right. Like, they're right. Paying, I, I received child support for my first son. So I received almost a thousand dollars for my first son. 
and I received it um, because my ex has no custody. So I do everything. And when we talk about doing everything, I distinctly remember when I was at my call center job, so I didn't have like time off. My son got really sick and I needed a week off of work. I didn't have any PTO like saved up. So that was a week that I didn't get paid. Like they saved my job, but it's like, that's really what you're paying the custodial parent for. Like you're paying them because when your child falls, that custodial parent has to cancel their night and go to the hospital. When your child gets sick, that custodial parent can't work. And if they don't have any PTO, they just lose money. Um, everybody, and I say all the time, if you don't want to pay child support, go get more custody of your kids. You that's what I said. So that's what I said. I was like, okay, well, so if you think it should be less than that, go get custody of your child. And he got quiet. <laughs> <laughs> like, even if you have your child every other week, like, okay, get 50-50 custody. You don't want to do that because the reality is that, like, it's going to disrupt your lifestyle. Exactly. Let me tell you, I say exactly. all the time. I love my son. I love my oldest son. But if all I had to do was write a check, baby, that's the easy <laughs> job. Like, Look. that's the job. Wait, you mean tell me ain't no teacher going to call me? Right, I don't right. got to yell about homework. Right. I don't got to do distance learning. I don't got to buy no books. I don't got to send you some how to wipe his butt. You just want to check every month? That's easy. That's easy. That's the easy. I got 30 days to come up with $1,000. Honey, I don't care if I had to pop a little something. I would make sure it got done. But the fact of the matter is that like, that's the easy job. Writing a check is the easiest job. It's everything else that goes into parenting that's tough. You know, and then when we start to get into these other um, concerns that children have, whether it's ADHD or learning disabilities or learning differences, you know, I used to be at the school for my son all the time. Like I thank God for my husband because the school don't even call me no more because I thought I was gonna have a nervous breakdown. Like, yo, y'all can't keep calling my job. Like I work for the school district. Like y'all cannot keep calling my job about my son. Um, so I'm thankful that my husband took that over completely. But like the emotional text of having a child who gets in trouble in school, that's not worth the $450 a friend pays. That doesn't even cover daycare for, the, for a week, for the month. Right, right. Yep. And you yes. know, it's crazy. They always have something to say about multimillionaires paying like $5,000 a month. This is the multimillionaire living in these fat ass mansions, driving all these fucking cars, all this jewelry, who brag about spending money on women that are not the mother money of their children. Money they don't have. Money, y'all you know are saying? Over money you don't even have. Like, I Exactly, yeah. exactly. Like, you're exactly. worried about what future pays. And they, <clears throat> why are you they mad, <laughs> they mad that a multimillionaire don't want to, he's like, yeah, he, he got to pay 3000 That's too much in my opinion. In your opinion, Nigga, you can't afford three thousand dollars a month right now. <laughs> what are you talking about? And, and why are you mad? Like people in there, quality of life. Like I think so right. much. I've had a lot of Twitter is that like I had to stop dumpster diving because I had to realize like I've actually been to school. Like not only have I been to school, like I've gone through child support. I have, I understand what child support is for, and child support means that across two households, the standard of, li of living would be made to be equal, right? Like. That does not, so yeah, you might be paying her because she has to make sure that like she has the same household that your child would have when he goes over there. Like, I don't understand why you would want your child to have less. Why would you want your child to go back to his mother's house and have less? Why wouldn't you want it standard across the board that like my child has a healthy home with his mother and that he has a healthy home when he's with me? Frankly, if you dated women who had jobs when you met them, your child support order wouldn't be what your child support order is. It might be something that's more comparable to 
um, both of your income. So I, you know, pick better. Well, the, the reality is, is these broke niggas be thinking that they're financing women and they ain't. No, I don't even think that. They're having kids with women that they they don't even care about their kids. Right. They don't care about their kids. They don't care about the women. They just, they wish they weren't paying money for something and somebody they don't give any fucks about. Like, that's real. Period. Period. They're deadbeats at the end of the day. Like, you know, people, you're saying, like, have them 50 50. Like, they don't even want the kid. Like, they don't want the kid at all. They don't want to have to deal with it. Yeah, that's why so many they in men, court like, fighting. Like, no, I don't want to pay 5000 a month. I only want to pay 3000 a month for a kid. This is a human being. And how do you feel? Like, I just sometimes when I think of certain things, it just be like, yo, that's wild. Like, that I can't even conceive saying out my mouth. Like, my husband is in the process of um, formally adopting my oldest son. And so we had to get consent from my son's biological father. And like, even though he's been like gone and just writing a check for like five years at this point, it still stunned me when he was like, yeah, I'll sign my rights away. Just like, let me know when you can serve me. Like it stunned me because it almost was like he was telling the Instacart person where to leave groceries. Like, yeah, sure. Like just leave it in the mailbox. I'll sign all the paperwork. Like I can't imagine um, on my son's worst day, I can't imagine not wanting him to have the best. So I just couldn't imagine just being like, yeah, yeah, I was about to say child support. Yep. Okay. Yep. That's I mean. That's why. He don't so that's why he no happy. Money. Yeah. He like, all right, that's, that's one less bill. Fuck it. I spent so <laughs> much money. Like my son got on my nerves like this morning. I don't even remember what he did, but he just drove me crazy this morning. And you know what I did? I saw a beanbag on Amazon. and was like, oh, my son would love a beanbag. Like I just spend so much money sometimes on just like enhancing my son's quality of life that for me, there's, there's never too much money for my son. Like, I don't care if I had to like get another job. I mean, that's kind of how rebrand started. Like there's certain quality that I wanted my children to have. Um, that I just saw that I wasn't able to do on my salary. And so it's like, figure it out. Like that's still going to be my son, like forever and always. And therefore I want him to have the best. I, I agree. And that's why I, I kind of scoff at men when they're like, oh, y'all women is just gold diggers. Da, 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 da. I truly believe women should not seek out men that do not have resources. Because if you're a woman and you're trying to have children with a man that cannot, you know, financially, what it, like, what if you, something happens to you, you know what I'm saying? Right, like you, right. if you're gonna have a child, like my mom was on bed rest for like four months of one of my little sisters, when my little sister uh, was born, she was on bed rest for four months and she broke her, they had to break her hip oh. when she gave birth. And so she was on bed rest for a month after giving birth, you know what I'm saying? So like, what if she was with a dude, you know, that couldn't pay the bills during that time cause she couldn't work, you know So I'm saying? Like, so when they, we get going at women they're like y'all some gold diggers no you should be a gold digger like why wouldn't you want a man that can take care of the household and like take care of kids you know what i'm saying like what are you what are you saying like i should be able, and it's 2020 y'all want women to have jobs cook clean do all this extra shit we should be seeking partners that can do the same shit like i don't understand that and why are men okay with their ch- children having the bare minimum the less i don't the bare minimum because like so you don't to, care about them right like I yeah you're right you're right you're right <laughs> How badly, like I could never treat my child badly to spite my ex. Like what? Like I, I could never treat my son and give him the bare minimum because I think it's going to get to his dad. And I feel the same way when like women be like not 
giving, you know, not doing what they're supposed to do for their kids because they want their ex to do more or whatever those situations mm-hmm. is. Like, I always figured it out. When my ex wasn't paying the appropriate amount of child support, I just hustled and did what I had to do. And then I took him back to court. Like, if you're not getting enough child support, take your ex back to court. When mm-hmm. he wouldn't pay, I would be calling the courts like, hey, um, he defaulted. He didn't pay his full child support amount. Like, hold people accountable. Accountability is also a big thing that I think not only do people skirt accountability for themselves, they mm-hmm. uh, don't hold others accountable. Yep. I totally agree with that. Like, I feel like if you should always want the best for your kid, like, even if the dude, like, for women that had like a bad breakup with a dude because I've seen this happen before. Like they like they want to be with the dude, but he don't want to be with her no more. So now like, like if they holding this kid between them, like, no, nah, just take him to court and move on with your fucking life. Like, you know what I'm saying? Don't don't do that. Cause you know, you, you fucking up the kid's quality of life at this point. Same with dudes. They'd be like, oh my baby mama be tripping. Just take her to court. Like it's that simple. Take her to court, get joint custody, and make sure your kid has a good life because y'all be holding these kids in in the balance and it's like it's fucked up. It really is fucked up. I feel like you should always want the best for the kid at the end of the day. I want the best for all kids. And I think, like, not just my Like, of course, I want the best mm-hmm. for my kids. Um, we're a blended family. So my husband has 12-year-old twins with his first wife. Mm-hmm. He also has another 8-year-old with his first wife. And then my 8-year-old um, from my first marriage. And then we have twins together who are three. And, like, we work hard because we want across the households the children to experience things whether it's karate whether it's football soccer like we want them to try things and i remember as a kid there were things that i was scared to ask my mom to try because of money like i knew Mm -hmm. we didn't have the money if i wanted to do cheerleading so like i didn't want to put my mom in an uncomfortable space of asking so like we work really hard to make sure that our children have experiences that just can enhance their quality of life and i can't imagine doing as little as possible um because i want them to have the most mm-hmm. and that's probably why i don't have kids now because i'm trying to right. hustle up some more <laughs> exactly. money exactly i want i want my kids everywhere doing everything and i'm like Ugh, they just they just seem so expensive so, <laughs> they just seem so expensive like y'all be talking about kids money, i'm like right? oh no dog but expensive know. not even just financially just mentally physically like i know it yeah, takes I, it right. takes a lot to raise a, a child energy like it's taxing it probably yeah. is like at the end of the day like I, i'm selfish and i'm gonna be completely honest like at the end of the day sometimes i don't even have the energy to answer the phone for like my little sisters and sometimes right. i can imagine like having a kid and I'm like, dang, I still have to, you know, be there for this other human being. So I'm going to be the responsible adult and not have children until I can cross that threshold and give and pour into another human being. <laughs> but you're not, I'm, I'm going to get a dog first. I'm going to get a dog first. No, that's good. And I think it's good that you said that, Terry, because like sometimes when people reach out to me for mentorship, I think sometimes people are taken aback when I decline. But the reality is that like I got me, I got my client, I got my husband, I got my three kids then every weekend or every other weekend or sometimes they just decide to come over for a week then sometimes i got another three kids so i got six black males my husband my clients i honestly don't have the capacity to mentor in a way that i should um people don't take mentorship as serious as they should like mentorship is not just getting somebody to follow me around and me giving directions like mentorship is really me like checking in with you, scheduling a call. Like my mentor, um, I met my mentor at law school. Um, He had graduated from law school and he is amazing. Like Tim checks in with me. He has always checked in with me when I didn't understand stuff in law school. I could literally call him like, I don't understand this case. Can you help me? And he will walk me through it. But like 
that is a, a level of time that he was giving me that I just recognized that I could not honestly give to someone who was trusting in me as a mentor. Um, because when you're doing parenting right, it's okay that you don't have capacity for other people. Sometimes I don't talk to my mom for like a week. And when she'll be like, I haven't heard from you, I'd be like, y'all are empty nesters. I got three over here who want like my emotional availability, my physical availability. They want to play with me. I had to get on the floor with the twins. I always thought, you know, my twins would play together. Like people be talking about how their twins play together so quietly. And I'd be like, is it crack? Because my twins don't. Um, <laughs> They be fighting, you know, sometimes, you know, one will be like, I want mommy to play with me. And, you know, my other twin will say, you can go play with your dad. And that's just that. But the idea is that, like, I still got to make sure that my oldest son doesn't feel replaced now that the babies are here. So I literally got to plan to watch a movie with him, take drink coffee, because then my husband going to want some time after that. And then the twins might want me to sleep in their bed for a little bit. My clients have stuff that's due. So it really is just like ensuring that I have the mental capacity to be the best person to the people in my life who are important, but also be the best person to myself. I felt that. Yeah, I, I, I'm not there yet. I'm still growing. Still, still, still getting there. I don't yeah, know how you do it, but kudos to you. Hats off. Honestly, like my husband recognizes it. Like my husband, like he'll say like, you're a phenomenal mom. And because you're a phenomenal mom, like see you like, like for tonight, um, I had took the boys to the park earlier and was like at the park all day with them and did all this stuff. So when I got back, I was going to go in my office and he was like, no, like just go get a hotel room for tonight. I know you got this podcast interview. Like you've been with the kids all weekend. I'll see you tomorrow. So like, I really appreciate that. Like I have a partner who really sees me as like, a person not just their wife or not just their mother um my husband sees me as like a partner and like hey partner you've been out with the kids all weekend i know you're burnt out like go relax i think that's super important also um i also think the gender of my kids matters and because like i have all boys there are things that my kids just don't do with me. Like when i go to the nail salon or when i go to the hairdresser like those are all things i did with my mom growing up but because I have boys, I do recognize that I get those moments to myself. Your husband needs to be on Twitter. He need to be, he need to be giving this game to these to these little young kids that think spending more than twenty five dollars on a date is excessive. We need to just get him on Xavier's podcast. Xavier, yeah, that or uh, that or that game yeah, related. Game related. Game, related. game related. Yes. Right. Xavier, millionaire mindsets. Okay. Yeah, they talk about black love relationships, but it's from oh, a black they do? standpoint. Yes. Yeah, oh, shit. oh, shit. I didn't know that. Okay. It's called I game related. And I love it because it's like we need more black men to, to be leaders on, on yeah, that topic. For sure. Ooh, they and especially that, since your husband is, I mean, you said you got six kids. Like, that's, yeah. first of all, to me, he's like an outsider or outlier because. Not only is he a, a real man in all aspects, he still has to juggle the fact that he has six mouths to feed on top of the fact that he has a wife that he has to take care of. Like, I feel like his perspective is like, could be really valuable to a lot of people. So just how he feels in his like role in all of this. 
Yeah, a father to a blended family, six yeah, kids. Yeah, that, yeah. Like, and he's taking care of everybody. Yeah, I t- yeah. On, on <laughs> yeah. the podcast. I would be tuned in. Tell him I would be tuned in. I'll, I'll yep. tell him he has some friends over here. <laughs> <laughs> but I think... Just the friend- podcast. We could leave him on Facebook. I got you. We could just leave him on the podcast. <laughs> put him on the podcast. <laughs> not, not for nothing. I do think that, like, even when I didn't have money, like, my husband knew I was a hard worker. Like, even when I didn't, like, have it have it like my husband saw me grinding it out you know leaving law school to get a job like you know like my husband has seen me grind it out but he also knows that like i'll i'll take care of it like if if my husband was to lose his job today like god forbid like i would step up and take care of my family he wouldn't want me to he would do what he had to do to rebound but i think what helps us work is that like at the end of the day, my husband doesn't mind taking care of me because, like, my husband knows I would, I, I, I would, I'll take care of me. Like, I've shown my husband how to treat me. Like, I'll make it work for me. I'll hustle. I'll make sure my son has. I'll make sure our children are taken care of. And I think that adds a level of motivation to how someone treats you when they see how you treat yourself. I also like that you said that. Like you said, he he knows that you could take care of it. Like, if he's to lose his job today, he knows you got the whole family, but he don't want you to. No. Right. But look, he know he like, look, she got it. But I don't want her to. I feel and like that makes for like a good men, partnership. I don't know. And like a lot of these men be like, oh well, my mom was hustling. Why do you your mom was and you were okay? Like you were okay with your mom struggling to take care of you as a child. So much so that like you want your partner to now struggle. Look, and you had to struggle too. You had to struggle to get where you was at. Your mama struggled, but somehow, some way, you want your girl to be like that. You want your kids to go through the same struggle. Because I don't understand care. that. Like, no, look, it was and Le- LeBron did it. No, shut up. No, I can't say what they be saying. And LeBron, <laughs> his kids don't want for nothing. Like, and don't get exactly. me wrong. Like, I, I, I teach my like my son does chores. He has a chore chart. Um, I am big on responsibility. My husband is a lot tougher on him than I am because you know he's a male, but. I still like, I still buy my son things. I still buy him game systems. I still try to, you know, reward good grades because I think that's important. Like, why would I want him to not have the things that as a kid, I wish I got to celebrate my grades or to celebrate accomplishments or birthdays or holidays. So I was talking to a male, hold on. I was talking to a male friend about this and he was saying a lot of black men don't think that you could really be Teflon or you not gonna be you're not gonna be successful unless you kind of go through some shit you know and so they feel like if you had certain shit handed to you like you you're not gonna come out you know as, as successful is as big. not enough like is being a black man not going through enough right. in life right. <laughs> and I, I don't think know. that's how I feel in my house like I recognize that like the world does not like my husband the world does not like my sons so why would I make it like hard in the house like why would i not want to show love to them because when they walk out these doors like don't nobody out here love you like we right. live in a pretty you know caucasian neighborhood like and i'm still when my son is outside riding a bike i still go out there with him because i don't want nobody to get nothing confused like they might speak but don't let you hit their car or knock their mirror off or do any dumb thing that a kid does like you're a nigga to them and i'm always just super cognizant that like the love that I show my sons and that my so show my husband is really important because don't nobody love you outside. Yeah. Can we can we talk about that building character thing? Like people yeah, say please, that all the time. Like, oh, you you need to do this. I gotta send my kid to public school to build character. You gotta do this to build character. Like, I think it's all BS. Like, 
you're going to build character based off of the experiences that you give your kids. Like you don't have to do certain things to build character. Like, I mean, I, mean, I do make my son play football with like the public leagues though. Like I do I make mean, my son like go down North Philly. Like you're going to get rustled and tussled with like, no, right. like, See, but I'm saying like, but you put him in sports. Like you didn't say like, oh, I'm about to have him going to the roughest public schools in <laughs> Philly to build character. You put him in sports, which is something yeah. that people do. Like you go to a private school, you can put him in like the the, the sports with everybody else. Like but the neighborhood, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. It's just like my cousins. They got sent back to Jamaica in the summertime. They would just go to Jamaica. Like, look, you gonna go to Jamaica? You're not gonna be hanging out in the suburbs with all these kids getting in trouble. You gonna go to Jamaica? You gonna hang out on the farm? Yeah. I feel like that that for me is the building character part. Like you're gonna go out here and right. hang out on the farm and learn some shit, you know, you're not gonna be out here playing video games all summer. But that whole like I'm gonna send my kid to a rough school for what? You can send them to a private school and then still put them in the what you said, the Philly leagues. You're gonna go play football with the Philly kids because these kids over here don't play football as rough because you know, you wanna you want them to, you know, build better skills, I guess. I want them also to be like culturally relevant. And I think something that I often talk about is that like, I don't care how many degrees I get. Like I have these degrees and I work in diversity, equity, and inclusion. Like I literally get degrees and then go into corporate and white spaces and say like, hey, y'all are not treating black people right. You know, I still go, like I don't cold switch when I go to work. I've never cold switched. And like, I've gotten very far and I've been totally fine. And I think I want my son to be the same way. Like, sure, I want to expose you to opportunity. I want you to have quality education. But I still work to make sure that kids in Philadelphia get quality education. Like, I often see people, like, take their kids out of these places and then never remember the other kids who are still in the situations they came from. So, like, I grew up in public schools. Um, I, you know, went to decent public schools. But I still recognize that, like, like I say, Philadelphia is the largest poor city in the nation. Our public schools are closing left and right. That means that like children who either don't have bus fare or parents who can't get a bus pass, that means their kids aren't going to school because they can't afford to take them, you know, out of the way to a school that's in a different neighborhood. Like there's just so many barriers that are happening and I still advocate for those children. Like I can't look at like, oh, my kids are good. So you know, we, it's all good. Like, no, I want my children, you know, I take my kids to parks and make my son play with kids at the park. Like, no, you're not going to be that person who you can't play with other kids because you think you're better than them or you have more like, no, come on, put your dirty hirachis on and let's go. Like, come on, get your, um, I still do the school shoes and the play shoes in my house. Like, I don't care. Like get your little play (laughs) shoes and we out. Like you're not tearing up nothing around here. I feel like, uh, what's his name, uh, Master P kind of does the same thing because he was really big on sending his kids to, like, really, really nice schools and, like, with schools with really good basketball programs and things like that. But he, he also has them do a lot in the community, like a lot in New Orleans and a lot in the community out in L.A. He takes them down to, like, homeless shelters. They be doing stuff in the hospitals. And I think that's really, really big that you touched on that, you know, with diversity and, and what you work in inclusion as well. I feel like, you know, people think, you know, okay, you move out the hood, you still you can't help the hood. Yet you can move out the hood and still be a part of the hood and still help the neighborhood and still help the community. It, it's not one or the other, you know what I'm saying? Like, you don't have to get money and live over here and now you can't fuck with niggas in the hood anymore. Because, you know, there is that whole saying, like, once you get money, 
somebody in the hood go take you out or somebody in the hood is, you know, yeah, that is true. Like people are always going to be gunning for you. That's what happens when you come up. But I feel like once you get some money, you don't have to just leave the neighborhood or leave the community and not have to help them no more. Like your kids aren't the only kids out there. You know, it's some kids out there that don't have parents, you know, advocating for them in these school systems or, you know, advocating for them in, in these communities. So I, I really like that you touched on that. Like it's not just my kids. Yeah, that's like always been my thing. Like when I saw how white teachers treated my son, I'm like, yo, if you'll treat my son this way and you know I'm at a director level at my job and you know how much education I have, I can't imagine how you treat parents who maybe don't have as much education, who don't work for a district. Like if this is how you'll treat me, I can't imagine how you treat other people. So like, please know that like, I'm going to be evaluating not just how you treat my black son, but like how you're treating all black males in this class. Because if you'll do it to mine, I can only imagine how you're treating others. Like I've never thought that like, oh, as long as I take my son out the hood, I'm good. And I think I'm that way because like, when I was growing up, there were neighbors or parents or like other girls at school. If I was cool with their family, like their mom would take, not take care of me, but like, you know, if school ended, it was an emergency closure, like they would be the ones picking me up from school, you know, cause my mom was at work or if it was raining and they saw me and my mom wait for the bus, they would be the ones dropping us off at home. So I grew up with people, other people's parents taking care of me. Like I didn't grow up in the like mind your business. That's not my kid. Um, so it's very hard for me to be that way. Like my son, little friend said a cuss word one day and I was like, excuse you. And my son was so embarrassed. And I was like, wow, like, am I becoming that parent? But I feel like we need to get back. So to how would you say community? Yeah, go ahead, Jazz. Oh, I was, how would you say you would balance? Um, so, I mean, cause obviously now you're, you had a much different space and you probably have like a bigger platform for your kids to be able to build and thrive on. So how, how, like what's your, your thoughts or your takes on like building that grit that you was talking about or building that character? Cause I mean, as of right now, your kids can probably do for the most part, anything that they would want to do, but as they get older and like, you know, life really starts to really hit them and come into play. Like how will you teach them the value of like, yeah, you may have this, but you need to understand what it takes to get this. So for starters, um, my son is very much aware that his academic success is connected to a lot of the things that he has. Um, I'm very honest that my son's birthday is October 9th. If first marking period, if their report cards come out and their report card is not looking like it needs to look, October 9th is canceled. You better hope for Christmas. Like, <laughs> like, listen, I don't play. Like, my son knows that, like, academic excellence is connected to the blessings that you have because I grew up not having a lot. And it's only because I went to school and was smart that I have a lot of the things that I have now. So I try to instill that same value in my son that, like, work hard. And even some stuff that he says, like, I don't understand this, like, that's a value to say, if you don't understand it, open your mouth, open your mouth and say, like, I need help. Can you help me with this? I'm struggling with right. it. Um, playing around in school, you are black. You cannot go up in that school and play around. Stop playing all the time because playing is why your grades look like this is playing is why this TV is going, this iPad. <laughs> like, I am, like old school where like you got one time right, like right. it's cancel, homeboy. Like it's it's right. not a safe room. You gotta bet you got and I let my son know like 
I'm only mandated really to like make sure you eat three meals a day and <laughs> you got a roof over your head. Like all this old other stuff, I could it's canceled. Like I'm I'm a listen, okay? I'm a canceling ass mother. Like I know my son be like this bitch, but it built my son gets it together. Like he knows now I put a chore chart. He was having a hard time remembering his chores. And I said, you know what? Maybe his learning style is he needs to see it because I'm tired of screaming about the chores. So I made him a little chore chart. I put days of the week. I put the five chores on the side. And I told him like, here's your little dryer, you know, your little pen. I Velcroed it as you, you need to do all of this stuff every day. Um, every day is make clean your room. Take the trash out of your room because he'd be sneaking and eating in his room, which is another thing that drives you crazy. <laughs> if you're going to sneak and eat in your room, if you're going to do it. Like, come on, dog. Stop shoving the chip bags under your bed. Like, every day he needs to take the trash out of his room, clean his room, take the trash out of his bathroom. Come on, you're eight with your own bathroom. Stop playing with me. Take the trash out your bathroom. Um, put the dishes in the dishwasher. I had to wash the dishes, but put the dishes in the dishwasher and, like, pick the toys up. Like he has to pick his little brother's toys up um, out the basement. He just has to pick them up and throw them in a bin. And that's really important mm -hmm. to me because it, it, for me, we went through a phase where like, I would tell my son, like, can you pick that water up? And he would be like, I didn't do it. And I had to learn like, <laughs> you don't go to work either, but you be spending money. Like which right, one is it? Right, I don't, I don't right. understand. And so like, he has to pick very true. Up because I need right. him to understand it. Like, those are your brothers. Like, those are your baby brothers. You need to take care of your, I don't, if I was to go today, like, those are your baby brothers. You need to take care of your brothers. Um, so those are his only five chores he has to do every day. If he doesn't, you know, I'll remind him, like, end of the night, not, you know, eight o'clock, I'll be like, John, did you get your chores done? I don't see your check marks. If he wants his little, it used to be Fortnite money, um, but now it's not Fortnite money. Now it's like if we go to five below or something, if he wants his $5 so we can go to five below over the weekend or he can save money or whatever it is, um, he has to do his chores. And I think his chores are age appropriate. He's eight. Um, the way he be figuring out stuff on Fortnite and he be getting on YouTube and figuring out how to do stuff, you could figure out because sometimes he'd be like, oh, I didn't know how to. Oh, did you? Because if this was Fortnite, you figured out. Now, wouldn't you? you need to get on that iPad or that laptop, and you need to Google how to, and it'd be dumb stuff. Like, he'd be saying he don't know how to do it. But <laughs> Look, it, this Fortnite got these kids in a lock. And right. on lock. Like, I just be like, oh, my God, please. I hope Apple kicks it off the platform so I cannot be mean mommy. It's just is Apple's fault. Didn't that, that happen? So Did somebody get, then they get kicked off of some platform? They're not, yeah, they like, off, off, off. Are they off, oh. off, Yeah, they're, they're off, off. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> they're all last, last fight we had about it was like they weren't like as long as you had it downloaded or something you could still play it and I just was like when are they going to take it off for good but my son might have like lost his iPad in the process of like it being kicked off because like I said he was playing around with virtual school virtual school is also like I just I feel like virtual school I would be killing virtual school like I would be all up in the classroom checking off assignments like I'm done at 10 a.m. I'm I'm chilling. My son is not that way. It is very hard for me to like make him an overachiever. My little sister, I got two little sisters in virtual school right now and one of them flying through it. She done by like 10:30 watching Netflix. The other one struggle bus. She's just like I don't I can I can't she needs to, she's the one that need a teacher over her shoulder and she'll get it done in 2 hours. But if nobody's holding her shoulder She's just gonna wander. 
And I feel like a lot of kids gonna get lost like that. And I be so, and I have to acknowledge, like, I know, like, I talked about it in some of my research that, like, there was a huge part of me that put a lot on my oldest son because, like, when I had him, I was young, and then we were on public assistance. Like, he was born, in essence, below, at the poverty line. So I know I'm a lot stricter with him because, like, I know what the data says about black milk children born at or below the poverty line. Now my twins, I'll be lunching. Like, I have to be honest and say, like, I am not hard on them because, like, they were born to two parents who were together and, like, they've lived in a house most of their life and they've never been on public assistance. Like, my twins have a different the data says something different about them. Like the data essentially says that like they'll be fine because of cultural capital. Um, but my oldest son, the data says that like he's just slated to have a different outcome because of just like what he was born into. So I do recognize that I'm a lot harder on him because I know what the statistics say about children like him. Cause I'd be like that. I like, that. I I like, like that. I do like that. Stay hard on your kids. That's the thing. People People nowadays, parents nowadays, they're not hard on their kids at all. That's why I find it funny with the whole build character stuff. Like, y'all aren't hard on your kids even when they are in public school. So they get to just do whatever the hell they want. So if you don't give your kids structure and discipline, they're going to just do whatever. Like, you have to do that. You have to give them chores. You have to give them, like, rewards. Like you said, with his birthday. Like, you have to do stuff like that. Like, my dad, he gave me $20 for every A. Guess how hard I was trying to get A's. Like, and my dad, he didn't live with right. me, right? My mom, she was like, I grew up single parent. My mom, I live with her. My dad, he lived like 20 minutes away. You know, he got remarried, stuff like that. But he still gave me $20 for every A. I worked hard as hell to get all A's because I wanted them $20. We had like, what, five classes? So I wanted that money. So I was, shoot, you, you know, I was out here trying to do it. Like, and I, I feel like, that's the reason why I was able to excel in academics was because he already put it in my mind, like, you do well in school, you'll be rewarded. Like, you need to do well in school. You, you don't do well, you won't be rewarded. But it's just like school and academics is so important. And having that reward, when you're a kid, it don't matter what it is, whatever they like, that's going to help them actually want to care about the schoolwork. So I it works. You need to consider in that observe what actually motivates your child and it changes as they get older and then what's their learning style for different topics right so like silas he can he'll fuck up the flashcards with numbers and he can like add and subtract in his head now really fast but with the letters he wasn't fucking with the letters and the flashcards right and so like i was getting frustrated and you know i shared something on twitter about it and people were like you know, you should force him and make him sit and do the flashcards and like, yeah, oh, like what? <laughs> this child, child is four years old. He doesn't, or like whoop his ass until he learns them. I'm like, oh, so I'm going to have him associate learning and academics with getting his ass beat. Like that makes zero sense. So I was like, or I could just try different shit and see what works for him and like what he actually likes and, you know, make it fun for him. But all right, I'll beat the shit out my kid. Like what? Like I was about to ask you that. What, what, what reward system? Go right. ahead, Britt. I was just saying, like, with to piggyback off of Ari, I think that's what's been hard is, like, okay, I'm an only child, and my oldest son was an oldest child, me an only child for five years, and then I had the twins. So it was, like, I was doing everything, like, 
first of all, I'm going to teach my twins like I taught my oldest son. That was the first mistake because they're three different people. But then the next mistake was like not realizing that like my twins are two completely different people. Like they don't even learn the same way and they're twins. And one of my twins is really great with anything. Um, he's a kinetic learner, which really means that like he has to learn things um, by doing them. Like sensory um when i do flashcards with him he needs the flashcards that have like fur and that's raised he needs those whereas my other twin like intellect like he gets all that stuff but this boy can't open a doorknob like he and now when i i mean it literally like he doesn't it's he it's just like opening unlocking the door just wears him out anything where he has to like do his gross motor skills, I don't know what happened to him, but he's not like behind. He just doesn't, that's not his thing, like riding a bike, riding a scooter. He sucks at that stuff, but he's great with, Ari is cracking up. He's great with just like flashcards and learning and like numbers and he's amazing. But my baby that doesn't like flashcards, he be riding a scooter, he rides a bike, like, he goes in. I could be like, Christian, I want some water. He'll go in the refrigerator, get me a bottle of water, open it for me. That other baby don't do stuff like that. Who's like, I don't know how. <laughs> That's so cute. Now, I was going to ask you that about the reward system for the twins. Like, how do they differ when you, like, are trying to, like, teach them, like, you know, just little things? I know they're young. Let me start by saying, dad's over 40, and I'm sure people could relate. Like, when you got <laughs> old dad, like, your dad's so sweet, yo. Like, my husband's so sweet on my kids. Like, they, the twins be writing on the wall, and my husband be like, oh, well, developmentally, they, like, dog, they're writing on the wall. Right. <laughs> like, my husband, being older, he lets them, like, get away with everything. So, like, everything, he rewards them for everything. Like, like he'll, like, be drinking Pepsi, and, like, they get a letter right, and he would be like, when some of my Pepsi, like, hello? And he's like, these teeth gonna fall out anyway. Like, come on, my kids already got hood red teeth from breastfeeding long. Like, silver caps all in my kid's mouth. And then my husband be like, they gonna fall right out. So rewards, my husband is like a candy, cookies, cakes, pies. Um, my husband just gives them everything, honestly. Me for rewards, um, I recognize that, like, honestly, not that affection is an award, but that really strokes their ego. Like when they get an answer right and I like mm -hmm. hug them and like kiss yeah. on them and like make it a big thing, they really like respond yeah. to that. Um, not that they're starved of affection, yeah. but like they really just enjoy more like physical touch. I think that's just more of their love language. I was a kid yeah. like that because my mom was super affectionate like in that same way all okay. the time. And for me, that was like, that got me motivated, like, hell yeah, let me, let me do something else. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I can, I can totally relate to that. I feel like these That's little so boys cute. cannot get enough touching and like time, like focus. And I'm like, oh my God, if you don't like Silas literally on top of me all the time, I'm like, I can't breathe. Like, That's his love language. To you? He goes, no, I got to have my foot on you or like, <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, fuck. <laughs> And it's so much, and like, that was a hard part for me for like social distancing. So we started social distancing a little bit earlier than everyone. Um, we're an immunocompromised family. Um, one of my, well, both of my twins were really preterm, but one of my twins has significant respiratory concerns. And then my husband's a cancer survivor. So we already like once like 
COVID was here in Philadelphia, like we wrote a letter, I wrote a letter, pulled my oldest son out of school. So my son's been doing virtual school for a while um, and then pulled my twins out of daycare. And I've been working from home since like February-ish. Um, but I say all that to say that like, I almost didn't realize what it was like to be around my children for 24 hours a day. Like my twins literally want to touch me from the moment they wake up until they go to sleep. And I've never been touched so much in my life. <laughs> like, y'all not tired of mommy yet? Like, one of my twins, they started, one of my twins started asking about nursing again. Like, hello? Like, you're at home way too long. Like, I am gonna grab you some milk from downstairs, but like, we're not redoing infancy over. Like, it's just, it's just like the world is shut down. Like, you're confused. Um, my children like slipped back into what it was like to be home for the first year. And that took a lot of, um, that took a lot of like getting used to, but like I said, like my husband recognized that I was getting touched out. Um, so around, I say like Mother's Day was the first one. He just was like, once you go to a hotel for like the weekend, like just take some time off because I can't get things done a lot because they're just on me. So since you understand like the educational challenges for like a lot of kids, what are your thoughts on homeschool? Have you ever considered that? Especially since uh, the pandemic. No, I have to be honest that like my skill set is, Ari, what is wrong with you? My skill set is in (laughs) policy. So like policy, I can tell a school how they should conduct themselves. I can write guidance for a school. I can develop an action plan for a school. I can evaluate a school. I can tell you that your teacher isn't culturally competent and that she's not teaching in a way that is being received by every student in the classroom because I'm looking at the data and I can look at who's excelling and who isn't. But let me tell you, I was screaming till two o'clock in the morning at John over a reading comprehension activity. Like I'm not a good educator (laughs) um, because I think so much of it, like I see my son is brilliant. And so I be thinking he just be fucking playing me. Like, I just be like, now I know you know this. And so my brain just can't come down to like, maybe he doesn't. Like, maybe he really doesn't know this and you're crazy. Um, so, yeah, I, I also recognize my learning style is different from my oldest son. Um, my oldest son also was diagnosed with ADHD, um, which I also have, but our ADHD present is such a different way. So like my son's ADHD is like, he cannot focus on a task without medication. Whereas my ADHD is like, I can finish a course in one night. Like I can literally like sit in front of a computer and I won't do nothing else, but like dive into this course and completely finish it in one night. Which is why I talk about like those Cornell two week courses. I either give it my all in one night or completely like miss the whole class. Um, So it's very hard for me sometimes to like get on the same level as my son's learning style because I'd be like, if you just sit on a computer and do it, the answers are right here. Um, And I know I could do better. I would have to hire out if I homeschool. I would have to say like, I want to homeschool and I'm going to hire a nanny or an au pair or even like a student in early childhood education to come teach my kids. All right, I got a question. And you have six of them. Like, that is hard. Nah. <laughs> it be so much. It's, it's so, because like I said, we always see our children as brilliant. I don't see my son as a dummy. Like, I can't speak for all parents, but I know my son is brilliant. And so when he don't be getting something, it just drives me up a wall <laughs> because 
I just he's not feeling like he really doesn't get it. I feel like he's playing me. Silas is the same shit. Like he's saying the wrong letter on purpose. I'm like, all right, before I lose my mind, we're just gonna finish this tomorrow. Right. No letters today. (laughs) (laughs) You know M is not A. We've been doing this for three fucking weeks. (laughs) Right. Yeah, right. Like why would you even say that? So yeah, for me, I just I recognize it like I also do the research for schools, right? Like I, I recognize that there are some amazing educators at some amazing schools and I don't mind putting my son at those schools. I, I always like advocate for parents to know the educational law in your area. So in Philadelphia, there is tons of educational protection that like if a school cannot meet the learning needs of, if a public school can't meet the learning needs of your child, you can pick a private school and the school district is responsible to pay that private school for your son's education or your child's education. So like, like I said, I know policy and I know like education well, I'm not an educator, but I do know how to advocate to get my son the best quality education. Can you, uh, that's like, that's really major. Cause I mean, hopefully people get through this to this part. Cause that's really important. I didn't even know that. Yeah. Can you tell people like, is there like a website they can go to? really quick to learn a little bit more how it works in their state or is it really like specific to that school or that district? Okay, so let me back up and say, what you usually need to start with is something called manifestation determination. Manifestation determination is like, say for example, your child is always talking at school and you're always getting calls that your child is talking and you are like, why is my child talking so much? And the teacher is like, can you please talk to him, blah, 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 blah. And then what you eventually realize is your child is talking because they either A, don't understand the work, so they're entertaining themselves, or B, they're finished the work and they're entertaining themselves. Either way, both of those instances are a form of a learning accommodation that's needed. A learning accommodation, usually when we think of special education, we think of special education like it's for kids who need more support in understanding the material, But your child, if your child is exceptionally bright, they also need special education. And as Black people, we don't realize that special education applies to smart children as well. So um, you can get a learning accommodation for your child um, based on, hey, my child is excelling, but they're having behavior issues, which is a big thing with Black children. Very, very smart, but have these behavior concerns. So you'd ask for what's called a manifestation determination hearing, which is like, is your child's behavior a reflection of an academic concern. If it is indeed an academic concern, that school needs to either implement a 504 or an IEP plan. Those are two different learning plans that will support your child in success at the school. So like my son has a learning plan. His learning plan says that he is allowed to stand up and dance while doing his schoolwork. Why? Because he has ADHD, he cannot sit still. Him dancing in class is manifestation determination. It's basically his disability that you wouldn't normally see presenting itself and mm-hmm. therefore sure you don't want him dancing in class but it's manifestation determination so i say all that to say i had to get a learning plan that says john is allowed to stand up and dance while doing his work if john wants to sit alone he gets a chance to sit alone because he gets um overstimulated sometimes and if he's around people a little too much he's he gets like really anxious and becomes like a distraction to other people so he gets a minute to himself um his learning plan includes like walking around the school so like the counselor if he says like hey i need a break the counselor has to come and walk him around the school to give him a break 
and then he'll go back to class. So I say all that to say that like, I did not know myself that education law, special education law did not only apply to like children who needed more supports, but children also who were like super excellent academically and needed more mm -hmm. like emotional support right. as well. Right. So for people out there, uh, what is IEP? Uh, IEP is an individual law, individual evaluation plan or individual education plan. And basically it's exactly what it says. It's an individual education plan to make sure that your child succeeds. If that means that they need to pay a tutor, if they need to pay a wraparound, if they need extra tutoring, if they need to get you special workbooks, if they need um, whatever it means for your child to meet the standard um, of second grade or third grade, that you would get an individualized plan to make sure that your child succeeds. You'd also get meetings with the counselor, with the teachers, whoever is part of your child's plan. I also want like any parent to know that like once you tell a school, and this isn't unique to Philadelphia or Pennsylvania, once you tell a school, I want my child evaluated for educational supports, the school has 30 days to respond. Like they have 30 days to schedule a meeting. They can't blow you off. After 30 days, they are in violation of your rights as a parent with a child in that school and that needs to be escalated further to like the board in your city and or your state. I hope some parents are listening. Right, because this is, right, really this is Ray, I had no idea that special education applied to beyond like my scope of like what I guess people yeah. are used to or taught. And so when is it escalated to a point where a parent can put a child in a private school and have the district pay for it? Sure. So say you go through the process of saying, I want my child evaluated. The school does it within the 30 days. Within the 30 days, they recognize, okay, we found some areas where we can provide either IEP and or 504 support. Um, here's the learning plan. Say the school continually violates the learning plan. So I'll give you an example. One of my sons, a common discipline measure is taking a child's recess. However, that's a problem for a child with ADHD. So my son would do something in the morning. His teacher would say, okay, because you did this, you lost recess. And then my son would turn it up a notch after lunch because he hasn't even run his energy off. So lady done called me at 11 a.m. Lady's back on my phone by two because my son's just ready. And so part of his learning plan was that his recess could not be taken as a form of discipline because he has to work, you know, he has to burn that energy off. If there's the issue with another child, like say on the schoolyard, he got into a fight or they're worried he's going to get into a fight because my son is also about that smoke, okay? <laughs> like, John John is a fighter. <laughs> you just got to know your child. And so when they call and tell me about a fight, I'd be like, my husband on the way, okay? Because <laughs> I just know my son. Um, but I say that if there's an issue with like another child, he'll go to a gym class, like say it's third grade gym during the time that it's second grade recess, he'll go to that gym class. Whatever gym class is going on, instead of going to recess, he'll go to that gym class to burn his energy off. Whatever it is, um, they have to do. They also were using field trips as a privilege. So they were basically saying like, if he had a bad week, he couldn't go on a field trip. So what I had to say is like, that's actually unfair because if the field trip is a learning experience, you're basically suspending him from school by omitting him from the field trip. Any suspension in Philadelphia, K-2 suspensions are not elite, are not legal. So you can't suspend a child 
for anything between the ages of K2 because that's a developmental stage of like pushing boundaries, knowing right from wrong. We have to do a lot of redirecting, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So say you do all of that, you get a learning plan that says the child can't get kicked off field trip as long as there's a parent and the child has to either get recess or gym. Say the school continually um, takes your child's recess or say, for example, when they take recess, there's no gym class happening, right? So like, oh, well, you know, Miss Bronson, we don't have gym class during the time that this child will go to recess, but John can't go to recess because he keeps getting in fights. That would be a classic instance where I would say, okay, then you need to pay for him to attend a school that can meet his needs, that have a recess and a gym simultaneously happening so that his IEP and his 504 obligations can be met. Amazing. Right. I didn't have I no idea it. this existed. I love it. Yeah. Is this what I you wanted it. to go to law school for? Yeah I, always, yeah, I always wanted to go to law school for policy. So I okay. never wanted to argue. Um, that's why I be shutting people down on Twitter because like, listen, I'm not doing this with you. I never wanted to like go back and forth with anybody. Um, I've always just wanted to be in policy. And I always tell people like, the like your like your talents your gifts like if it's for you it's it's not going to pass you by like what's for you is never going to pass you by like when I left law school I really thought like damn I'm never going to get to do the policy work that I wanted to do but eventually I just had to say like I'm going to make a way like I'm going to work hard I'm going to bust my ass I'm going to get in the rooms with the right people I'm going to talk my way up I'm going to do what I got to do and here I am I write I wrote policy for police officers and now I write educational law um diversity and inclusion policy. Wow. So that kind of leads into my next question. Um, money's not an issue. You don't have to worry about anything, bills, you know. I mean, you probably don't got to worry about it now, but just let's say you don't ever have to work again or, you know, you don't ever have to work a job. What would you be doing? What, like, what's the most random thing you would be doing? How would you be living? This. Honestly, this. Like, I love what I do. I never... Um, I love what I do. Like, I love that I support Black children who were like me. Like, when I was a child, I was always getting in trouble, but I had straight A's. I would get in trouble for talking too much. I would get in trouble for fighting. I would get in trouble for just all, I was always in trouble. And the reality is that, like, I clearly needed some level of, like, learning support or emotional support, or I needed to be skipped a grade. Like, something should have happened, but, like, there's no reason why I finished my work and now I have 30 minutes to talk and distract other children in the classroom. Um, I would still be doing this work. Like I, some days, some days I, it feels weird if I don't open my laptop. Like I still would want to do this work of like advocating for people who look like me. Love it. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Anybody have any other questions? What about Beez's, uh last question that she likes to end with? Or did, I felt like you maybe asked that already. No, no, no. That was that was the first question, but we just didn't start with it. Um, so yeah, last question. Uh, what do you think your biggest accomplishment is so far? That I'm sane. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I always say like we don't look like the things that we've been through. And I think for mm-hmm. me, especially like when I talk about luxury, right? Like I'd be like, damn, y'all, like I was fucked up before, like being homeless, having a repossession, like waiting in these long ass public assistance lines because I need my food stamp card early because we don't have no groceries. Like I've been through all of those things. And so to be like sane and still like be a present mother and be a present spouse and be like a good partner and friend, like 
to me, that's a really big accomplishment, um, considering all the things that I went through. And I went to therapy, right? Like so often black people would just be like, oh, I'm resilient. I went through it. Like, no, I was like, I don't want to carry all of that trauma. I want to go to therapy and I want to work through all of those experiences. Well, that's damn. great. This was probably one of like my favorite interviews to do just because it was. It's so funny. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I love talking black children in education. It's amazing. Right. Same. And so many get placed into like, you know, oh, you have ADD. So they get placed into Mm -hmm. the slow classes. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So I don't I don't think that's right. It's always interesting how with black children, the assumption is that there's something wrong or it's like they need to be disciplined versus like maybe they're bored or, you know, they need to be allowed to do certain things so that they can progress. Cause I was the same way as you, Britt. I wasn't getting in trouble, but you know, in fourth grade, I had an 11th grade reading level. So I was done before the class often and just sitting there like bored as shit, not wanting to go to school. Cause I was like, they could just send me the work. <laughs> I can get it done. Okay. And then y'all move me ahead. Right. No, same here. I was reading, reading, reading. And I had like one teacher that actually saw that in me and just allowed me to just go sit in the corner and read. Mm-hmm. The rest of them, I used to get in so much trouble. I used to be in detention, ISS, OSS. That was me. I talked too much. I had a, a desk outside the Spanish class because I knew Spanish and I could read it. And like by Spanish too, my teacher was not fucking with me. She put a desk in the hallway and I would just be in the hallway and by the end of the class, I'll just be gone. Cause I'm just be, you know, I was just bad. And what the teachers didn't realize was I was just highly intelligent and bored and right. just getting in trouble. You needed like accelerated classes or yeah. styles of learning. And I just graduated and it never happened. Right. And then a lot of the work that I do right now is like really looking at like, how was that handled with a black child versus how was that handled with a white child? Like, how do you treat people with agency? Um, really just like recognizing it like your desk wouldn't have been outside if your father was a white father who was a donor to the school and like just like recognizing it like it really doesn't matter and like checking the implicit bias that people have like before people get to know my son people think my son is I remember like people think my son is older like somebody was like did he get left behind and I'm like no he's just big like he's he's you know he's in his appropriate grade like she asked was there any learning challenges I'm like no like he's fine he's just larger for his age like really checking the implicit bias at the door like we all carry implicit bias it keeps us safe let's start there but when it starts to like when keeping you safe starts to infringe upon the safety of other people that's when it's outright racism Mm -hmm. all right Britt so I'm sure you're gonna have black parents wanting to hit you up about this stuff. So can you share again, where's the best way to find you on social media, your website URL, if someone has um, questions or needs resume or like career development help, where can they find? Awesome. So I'm always around on Twitter um, at bossy underscore Brit with two T's, or you are welcome to find my business page on Twitter rebrand cc r-e-b-r-a-n-d-c-c you're also welcome to check me out online at www.rebrandcc.com and i will link this in the tweets and in the episode descriptions but thank you so much for being here um yes i think maybe tara is not decided but all of us are going to be in vegas when you come too so that's so exciting 
Oh, you're about to be in Vegas too? I did. I booked my flight and everything. Oh, okay. Huh? I told y'all I was coming you in the chat. Coming. Oh, look at <laughs> man. That's how y'all about to do me. I'm gonna be there. We gonna turn up. We all gonna turn I'm up. There. I'm coming. Waiting on Tara. I'm She's try. in Atlanta. I'm That's try. cheap. That's a cheap flight. <laughs> Come on, she, damn. She like, uh-uh, COVID. I'm not going. You're going to fall over this time or you're going to eat before you drink? Who? Fall over? You. Who? I don't know what she's talking about. <laughs> beans? Oh, beans. <laughs> All right, y'all. Thank you so much, Britt, again. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We love That's you. We appreciate you. Have an awesome night. Thank you. I knew you were funny, but goddamn. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> right. Thank you for coming well, on. Uh, right. See, you only get my voice text. So, yeah, I'm actually funny in real life, like in a full conversation. <laughs> I love my jokes. She's on Facebook. Hey. Not my last over there. I love it. Good night. I'll talk to you. Y'all soon. And then. Uh, good night. Thank you. Thanks, Britt. Bye.